everyone. Welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity rewatch podcast. We'll watch an episode each week and join you here to talk about it. Just a quick reminder, this is not a spoiler-free podcast, and you know, we're coming up on the end of season one, so chances are we are going to be dropping some information that may happen in future episodes as we go here, but we love you anyway, and you love us, so just stick around if you're not spoiler-averse. I am Melissa, and I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Fish. Fish, how are you doing today? Well, Melissa... I have hurt my back. And so I am taking this incredible, really strong painkiller that I like to call Advil and uh, just took it. So I'm hoping it's going to kick in soon and then we're going to be hunky dory. Okay. Well, listeners, let's see if we can figure out when it kicks in as we listen to her talk. That's the move. Um, Today, We are going to talk about season one, episode 20. We're getting to the end of season one. This one's called Connections, and it originally originally aired May 11th, 1999. This one was directed by Danny Liner, Danny Liner, I don't know, uh, writer Andrea Newman. And I want to point out that this team also did the episode Thanksgiving. So they were the credited writer and director on that episode as well, in case you happen to see any parallels or any style uh, similarities, that would probably be why. The episode description here is facing temporary suspension because of his unpaid tuition bill and pressure from his bookie over his gambling debts, Ben frantically sorts through his diminishing options. That sure does feel like the description of this episode. So uh, normally, Fish, I throw it over to you and say, where do you want to start? But I have a question for you, because last time, last podcast, we ended with your predictions on what connections meant and what this episode would be about. You threw out some big ideas. You talked about the game of Connect Four. You talked Mm -hmm. about maybe there would be scenes in airports. None of that happened. None of your predictions came true. So how are you feeling about connections here for this episode? Yeah, I mean, I get it. I I get, you know, why it's called connections. We're looking at all of the, the connections that Ben has to people. We're looking at, you know, maybe a reconnection with Nolan Felicity, looking at some new connections forming with Elena and McGrath and, you know, some evolving connections, maybe with, uh, with Noel and his new best buddy slash roommate. Um, so I get it. It's, it's emotional connections. Mm -hmm. I, it's not quite as, um, doesn't quite hit you on the head the same as a lot of the other titles do i think uh-huh. um but you know i i wouldn't say it, it was the best title for me but yeah. i get it like it fits it does fit yeah i guess i also think of like he's got connections i i think of the gambling side of it and i think of the berry of, of it all and ah, i guess like i think he's connected that. even though yeah. he said he's not part of the mafia 
Yeah, I, it still doesn't work perfectly. I mean, Barry's one guy. I don't know, but yeah. So there's that. I guess you know, there's there's some logic here. But you're right. I think it's uh, it's an episode title that could be on so many other episodes and still make sense. Yeah. So it doesn't feel yeah. specific to this one. I I agree with that. The only thing that I think that is different, and I really want to dive into that, is just the number of connections that Ben has. Mm -hmm. But before we get there, it's really interesting that you said this was done by the same people as uh, the Thanksgiving episode, Mm -hmm. because really what I remember from that episode, at least stylistically, um, you know, was sort of the, you know, the dinner scene with everybody coming together. And when we open up in this episode, I just thought to myself, is it Halloween again? Because the first thing that we see is Felicity standing in front of uh, a skeleton and a crow. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming again is Megan's side of the room, but it was really, you know, nicely decorated. Like, is that what you were seeing in the mirror? Yeah. 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 I was like, you know, that's, it's nice. It's a nice decoration. I would have liked that during the Halloween episode. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead of seeing, you know, like a witch or something like that, I think we see something even scarier, which is Felicity dressed as a cater waiter. Yeah. She's got the white shirt on, trying to put on a tie, trying to put on a black tie. And which I mean, like I, I actually think she looks awesome in this and um you know there's uh someone on on instagram um who has done actually i think there's a number of people on instagram who have done um sort of pictures of carrie russell more recently mm-hmm. kind of dressed like this mm-hmm. um but there's one in particular named uh, tina turnbow who you know does her makeup and her styling and um and she has a few of these types of pictures of her and i think carrie russell just really looks great in this you know feminine masculine um sort of style yeah sort of the androgynous sort of thing i when i saw this open up with felicity working on putting on that black tie it immediately transported me it transported me to a time in my own life when I it was post immediately graduate. We had just graduated from college immediately after that. I was working at a restaurant on the water on Long Island called Louie's a little seafood restaurant. And we had to wear as part of our uniform, a lobster tie. Mm. And every day I put my lobster tie on <laughs> and for some reason. <laughs> Seeing that opening scene brought you right back to the lobster tie days. I have so many questions. Um, But I think the most important one is, was it like a bow tie where it was actually a lobster or was it just like a regular tie? No, it was a regular tie with lobsters all over it. Oh, I want to say that it was a black tie with red lobsters on it. That's what I I mean, I really would have liked a picture of that, like as a bow tie with just like the lobster sitting there. Oddly enough. I didn't get images of that time and never missed them. 
It's I'm, not a time that I've ever until this moment thought, I wish I had some memorabilia, some recollection <laughs> of my days in the lobster tie. Yeah. That's, that's I bet nice. you're not thinking that now either. Cause I definitely would be asking for it to put up on Instagram. I'm still, yeah, I'm still not missing <laughs> having the photographic evidence of that. Uh, I mean, I went out way on a limb just telling the story. So, mm. you know, but this is, that's what it brought back for me. So uh, some sort of deep seated trauma <laughs> <laughs> just got unearthed as we opened up this episode with Felicity trying to figure out how to tie a tie, but realizing she's coming up short. She doesn't really know how to do it. And that's, yeah. that's where it started. So did you have a, uh, you know, a, a tall, I can't really call him dark and handsome, but like a tall guy no <laughs> behind you and, and teach you in the mirror how to tie the tie. It was such a sensual tie tying moment, wasn't it? I feel like all moments where you're tying someone's tie are, whether it's the woman tying the man's tie or this reverse, I, there's nothing that, like you don't, even if you're doing it for a friend, I would say the only time that it is not sexy to like put a tie on a man or this is like, uh, I've, I've had some guys say that they tie it like on a bedpost or their dog first and then like put it on. Okay. Um, so, so that would be the situation. So, hey, listeners, we're all learning some very important life advice here. If you're not looking for sensual, <laughs> don't, don't go do tie this. the tie. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a lesson to be learned for all of us. And why is she doing this? We ask. Well, I don't know. Yeah. She's looking at applying to be an assistant manager at Dean and DeLuca under Abby. And she's getting a chance to show her stuff because Abby's about to go away. She's, I don't know, taking some vacation or she's going somewhere. She's going to, a, I don't know, corporate retreat. I don't know where she's going. Maybe they said it, <laughs> but I wasn't paying attention. But anyway, she is going to vacate Dean and DeLuca for some amount of time. And she needs somebody to fill in for her. And what better opportunity for Felicity to prove herself than to be the substitute manager on her road to being a prospective assistant manager. So she's going to look a little managerial today. Yeah. Um, when I said, I don't know, I thought you were referring to why does Felicity think it's okay to go into Noel's room when the last thing we heard from him is I can't be a good friend to you. And oh, then yeah. she knocks on his door and she's like, hey, babe, want to help me tie a tie? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I took it somewhere else, but we're going to go right back to this. So, yeah, she just uh, interrupts his day and says, we're doing some tie tying. It's mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. Um, and then they, they do it. And uh, she, well, tying the tie, that is. And <laughs> they almost did it. They're having a moment. You know, they're they both are. feeling the sensuality of the moment. And then Felicity starts, she's like, thanks very much, starts to leave. And she looks back and they just have this like, hey, sucks to be friends, doesn't it? Sort of acknowledgement. Yeah. I mean, I, I, for all the times that I call Felicity out for just saying whatever's in her mind, I actually like this one where she's fully out of the room. She has closed the door. 
this could be the end of it, but no, she reopens the door and is like, Hey, yeah, this, this being friends thing. I think she says it's like confusing or maybe she says it sucks. And Noel also says it sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we are going to later see just how much they think it sucks. Yeah. I mean, there's a tension in the room. It can't be denied. Felicity is calling it out. I have no problem with her calling it out. I think she's putting a name to the thing they're both obviously wrestling with in that moment. And um, yeah, he, you know, Noel, but in that moment, Noel's just kind of being this supportive guy who's helping her on her road to being an assistant manager, getting the, getting that tie on, if you will. Yeah. And there's all sorts of ways we could go about this episode because I feel like it taught like a lot of stuff ties in, Oh, but maybe we just follow Felicity for now and we can come back to some of the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so Felicity, you know, heads off to her job and I thought it was interesting that we see her, I think during most of the episode, she's actually at Dean and DeLuca. Like she mm-hmm. seemed to be there quite a lot. Yeah, she must have picked up some extra shifts just because she was the manager. So she was, you know, overseeing everybody. And um, and Ben comes in and he is sad. He is pissed. He is asking for a favor. He doesn't really want to hear no. And that's just the first we see of him. And then he, we never see him work, but I assume he does. Yeah. I mean, I wrote Ben's a mess. Uh, I mean, you saw sad and pissed. I just noticed he was like really askew. Yeah. But the way he asked was not his normal favor asking tone. No, he was, he was a Ben Sands charisma. He was just like a Ben with desperation. I need to work. Can I yeah. work right now? Sort of vibe. And she's like, um, you're not. A- yeah. Yeah. You're not on the schedule, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, how do you say no to a guy who looks like that? And you know, he must be in really dire straits because taking on an extra shift at Dean and DeLuca is going to, you know, what could that possibly add to his paycheck? So, you know, he's doing whatever he can right now. I mean, you know, he'd be really desperate if he ha- if he put the hat on. Yeah, which he didn't. His hair's looking, no. you know, it's, well, we it's luscious know. right now. It's it, he, he can't be tamed. <laughs> well, we don't know because we never see him actually work. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> but Felicity gets the news from Abby, who continues not to be able to look at her. Yes. Um, that it is her job while. Abby is away for whatever she's doing that uh, Felicity is to fire Danny. A man we have never met who is a totally inept employee. Completely. And who we desperately had to have. We've never met this. This this has never been an employee that we've met before, but we had to meet this character this time because they realized how heavy an episode it was going to be when they spent as much time (laughs) as they did focusing on Ben. And then they said, who can lighten the mood? Is it going to be Noel? Nope. Is it going to be Julie? Hell no. (laughs) Is it going to be Elena with McGrath? That's not happening. (laughs) So 
together of like, what do we, hmm, comedy? How do we get, how do we get something funny out of this? Yeah. How do we make it lighter? Uh, we're going to invent a guy. Yeah, this may be the moment they decided Javier had to come back. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they tried Danny and maybe he's around for more episodes. I don't know. He's now the assistant manager, but I don't see him as sustainable. I He's just not sustainable. Don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like as a person, but Danny's also as a character. He's going to have a real short run on this show. Yeah. So, oh, Danny, he is the worst. Uh, he just doesn't know how to do a thing. And he's got no concept of, you know, he's just, when it opens up, Danny has had a little injury. A <laughs> little bit. Little bit. Uh, he just wants to know where the first aid kit is so that he can, what, sew his finger back on or whatever is creating all that, uh, like, blood? Uh-huh. The incredibly bright red blood, mm-hmm. which, I don't know, it didn't ring true, but that's okay. Uh, Danny's got a hand issue right now. A little bit, a little bit. And he's waving it around in front of customers, mm-hmm. It and he's not being subtle about it, and Felicity's like, oh, gosh. This guy, this guy in his hand, this guy in his bloody hand. Yeah, but I also was a little surprised by her reaction because, I mean, she's focused on the customers. She's focused on, you know, here's some gauze she got from somewhere. Uh, No, like, antiseptic, no, she's just like, go away, like, keep your hand down, clean. Like, to me, it seems... Like she might have been a little more concerned, but no, she just wants him to remove himself so that she can get Abby out the door. Yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah, not not starting off great as a manager. Yeah, and I know we're kind of pulling two threads at the same time, but let's just go back to Abby for a second. She because yeah. you know the whole setup of this is she's giving Felicity an opportunity to prove herself as a potential assistant manager, which really surprises. Felicity. She thought for sure Abby hated her from mm-hmm. all of the empirical evidence that we've collected. <laughs> yep. Like yep. Felicity's seen the same things we've seen that Abby can't look her in the eye. And Abby acknowledges, you know, without acknowledging it, that maybe it has a little to do with jealousy. Maybe it has a little to do with being jealous of her hair. We're not mm-hmm. sure. We're but not here to, we're talk, not about here to talk about her hair. <laughs> <laughs> we're not here to talk about your hair, Felicity. Felicity's like, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I wasn't. <laughs> but boy, is that revealing. And mm-hmm. then Abby finally does make eye contact with Felicity through her sunglasses. Well, we don't she know. Puts sunglasses on and she's like now able to stare her straight in the eye. <laughs> she could have had her eyes closed. We don't know. That's true. I mean, the sunglasses we don't know, but she at least turns her head in the direction of Felicity. Yeah. So yeah, there's a, a moment there. Yeah. So, you know, Abby's thorn in her side has been needing to fire Danny and she just pawns this off on Felicity the second she gets out of out of the office. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the setup. That's the move. That's the, the funny story we're going to track for the rest of this episode. Yes. Um I'm kind of thinking maybe we just we just track that and mm-hmm. then we'll, the Danny bit. Yeah, we'll come back 
to the rest. That makes sense to me. I mean, so I'm just looking through my notes. The next time we're going to experience Danny, is that when uh, Felicity's talking with Elena at Dean and DeLuca? I think when Danny comes in late, he was just volunteering at an orphanage. And Mm -hmm. that is why he's late. And Elena's looking this guy up and down. And she's like, yeah, he's working you. Mm -hmm. Orphanage. It's the oldest trick in the book. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, who possibly could sound like that? Yeah. Well, we had, a, I think, our own little optimist versus cynic moment there. Sure did. And, the, yeah. and Felicity's like, you think? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and Elena and I are both going, you naive sucker. <laughs> yeah. And Melissa's really getting away. It was a good juxtaposition. <laughs> yes. um, like it could have been, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and we'll come back to this, but yeah, let's just remember that uh, how cynical Elena is at that moment. She's like, I, I smell it. I smell it from a mile away that there is some BS. Mm-hmm. And yet when it comes to her, she can't smell the BS coming from a certain oh. doctor. Okay, we're going to pull that thread a little later, but it's interesting that it read to you that way. So, uh, hey, folks, we're just clocking. That's where Fish thinks this is at with McGrath. Um, But let's go back to Danny for a minute, because this is not going to be the last time he gives us a line, you know? So he was late. He's volunteering at an orphanage. Next time we see him, he's coming back from a real long lunch. Felicity is anxious because she knows that she was planning to fire him when he gets back from lunch and there he is taking a long lunch and not only is he coming back from a long lunch he is now asking to take off saturday because he has a doctor's appointment on a saturday Mm -hmm. so that he can get fluid drained from his hand yep because it's infected yeah i mean this is a lot so felicity has a roundabout firing method for him she's like i want you 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 gotta go he's like gotta go where she's like out out in the world (laughs) i'm firing you she finally comes around to it she's like i'm firing you danny and the man looks about as pathetic as a man can look right here you know he just he has this face (laughs) i think felicity does a really good job here actually i mean she uses every cliche thing you can say in firing someone you know Uh i have to let you go it's just not working out i mean i actually think i think she does a good job it's her first time firing someone i just wrote stay strong you know because i I was afraid that he was going to turn around and she was going to like hire him to sort her socks or sweaters or something in her apartment Uh and um and she didn't she stayed strong, even though he walked out as slowly as possible and and put his hat, you know, on the display. Um, you know, she she held strong. I thought she did a good idea and, and a good job. And this did not go the direction that I thought it was going to. Well, yes. Also, I just want to circle back on Abby here for a minute, because what a position she left Felicity in, like. 
Oh yeah. I, from an HR standpoint, this feels like it's got a lot of holes in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm not even really sure how this is safe for Dean and DeLuca for it to be done this way, for Abby to be pawning this firing off on Felicity. Which Abby acknowledges. Yeah. Yeah. She's fully <laughs> okay with it, but I'm, I'm seeing a lot of problems with this very concept and also it puts Felicity in a difficult position because you don't even really have a good reason to be firing somebody it's not like she can say I was looking at the budget and blah 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 blah. like she's got um I think she's got enough reason I think we see enough reasons (laughs) that he in fact should be fired I mean he can't seem to walk across the room without breaking everything in his path yeah it's true it's true but I think if you're if you're going to look at this legally, I'm not sure this is as by the book as you want it to be. Uh, no. But you know, it's probably why we won't see Abby as a manager forever. <laughs> For one of the many reasons. Also, they wanted to bring Javier back in season two, so uh, there's that too. But well, I, uh, I'll come back to uh, to my theory on Abby a bit later. Oh, okay. Yeah. And why All she's. Right. She's not going to come back. I mean, not that I know why, but I just, um, just a little thought I got from this episode. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I thought that Danny was going to turn around and Felicity was going to either not fire him or hire him to do something for her. Mm -hmm. And that is not what happens at all. No, it is not. Danny uh, instead just shows up the next day. Says, no. I thought about it and you're not my boss, uh, which she kind of is in that moment. But he just says, you can't fire me, which, you know, kind of goes to what you were just saying. What does the org chart look like? Yeah. It's hard to say, but he's decided you're not the real boss of me, which is profound. But really, you know what we need to hear. You know, you know, this character actually reminded me a lot of there was a Herman Melville story called Bartleby the Scrivener. Have you ever seen and read that one? I have not. So it's a it's been a long time since I read it. So I'm not even going to attempt to give you a full plot that's gonna be real, but the main thing that really stuck out with me is there's this guy Bartleby and he's hired into this office and he seems like a affable enough guy. And then one day the boss asks him to do something and he says, I would prefer not to. And what, how do you argue with that? Right. So he just kind of like is, is like stunned, but then he lets that go. And sure enough, more stuff happens where Bartleby's like, I would prefer not to. And before you know it, like this guy is completely useless as an employee and they don't know what to do about him. They have no, now it ends in a darker place. I will tell you that Uh, from what I remember, it ends in a much worse place than the Danny story ends, but, or at least in this episode, but it really reminded me of that. Cause it's like, at what point can you argue with something so arbitrary? (laughs) like Felicity fired him and then he was like who are you in life to fire me (laughs) he was like I just have no answers for you like I wasn't prepared for an existential conversation (laughs) like I I can't have a debate at that level right now without that preparation that I needed so he gets away with it 
And he just needed a, you know, he gave him an inch, he took a mile. Yeah, I I don't understand how this happens because we also see this in other TV shows or movies, you know, when someone say really wants a job and they just start showing up, right? Mm -hmm. Or someone is fired and they just keep showing. I mean, this is a, it's like a pretty common thing that'll happen in not reality. But well, reality, I've had the opposite happen in my life where I've gotten many a job created for me because I like found a person sat outside their door, knocked on it occasionally and was like, Hey, you ready for me to work for you yet? <laughs> like eventually a job happened. Um, yeah, it's yeah. not the same if you get fired and you just keep showing up yeah, or if you're actually doing the job, I guess. Uh, but we see this and to me, there's a very simple answer, right? And it has to do with HR and paychecks. Right. So I assume after Felicity fired Danny, there was something she had to do involving, you know, <laughs> cutting well, him out of the financial system. Well, there was something maybe she was system. supposed to do, but she wasn't given any instructions on what those things were. So she... Well, why would, I mean, if she was supposed to fire him and Abby's gone, someone has to make sure his paycheck isn't cut and it's not part of the books. Uh-huh. So to me at that point, it's like, you can keep showing up, but we're not paying you. And uh-huh. if you break things, we're calling the cops. Uh-huh. Like to me, this is a very simple solution. Yeah. Felicity, that, however, was not equipped with any of these uh, real world no. scenarios. Um, no. She was told, fire this guy. And for her, the emotional part of actually telling him he was fired was all she knew. Yeah. You know, it was like, there's probably some back end paperwork on this, but nobody has given me those instructions. I will do the part that I know to be firing, which is telling the person they are fired. <laughs> 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 That's all I've got. Yeah. I mean, there would have been like a last paycheck. There would have been, I mean, you know, but it, it none of that matters. I mean, she because... certainly wasn't conducting an exit interview. That's for sure. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah. yeah. Like, like we've said, this was not by the book, but it's it the best she could do. It's all she could muster. It's all she knew. And I can't say that I find Abby's professionalism to be top notch because, yeah. uh, you know, Felicity does have an emergency mm-hmm. towards the end. I think this is the next time, next time we see them. Well, the next time we see, I mean, so we see Danny at work again, trying, I just wrote my notes, Danny can't sweep. Oh, yes. I completely just left that out because I think I rolled my eyes so hard. I may have pulled my back again, mm-hmm. um, but I did enjoy Felicity's line there. There was like a plate on the floor and a, you know, he's just been trying to sweep. He's been collecting stuff and now he's trying to put it into the dustpan and oh. it's just all hell is breaking loose. That, <laughs> that, that size brush with that size dustpan. Oh no. Yeah. That, that's not a thing. And then there's a plate. Yeah. So he's like, just pick up the plate, daddy. Yeah. And he's like, oh. Just pushing it all around the room with this huge <laughs> broom that won't fit into a dustpan. Yeah. Like, just pick up the plate, throw it away. Or, you know, if it's not broken, pick it up and wash it. I don't know. Or, like, yeah, why was your first move to throw it away? Yeah. 
That was a totally whole plate. Yeah. <laughs> Although in Danny's mind, well, plate on a floor equals refuse. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Danny's just a mess. Danny can't sweep. No. But at this point, things have really escalated with Ben. Yes. And, you know, Julie calls in to Dean and DeLuca. We're going to have to circle back on a lot of these points to look at them from another angle. But since we're tracking Felicity here, uh, Felicity fields a call from Julie. And Julie's terrified. She's worried. You know, Ben's on the loose. And it's not looking good. And Julie wants some help in looking for him and figuring out what's got, what's happened to Ben. It's a it's an emergency. It's a proper emergency. And Felicity is trying to close up. I you know if you've ever worked a job like that, you know that closing up doesn't happen in five minutes. It's something that there's normally a whole process behind it. And there is for her too. You know she has to close out the receipts. She's to, you know, make sure that the building is ready to close down, probably shut off all the machines. There's a whole bunch of stuff that she needs to do. And she has, she just, the time that she takes to do that is time she can't be looking for Ben. And there's Danny pushing things, pushing around (laughs) stuff with a broom. And she thinks, well, here's this guy. Uh, Danny, I need you to close up for me. And he's, he's not capable. And he tells her that he just says, nope can't do it and she's like look you gotta and he he just very gingerly takes the keys and um you know he she she jets out of there Uh leaving him looking rather flummoxed Uh yeah 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 but it's not to be that way for long because has he been just hoodwinking her this whole time has this been the greatest heist ever has he been hustling I don't know, because the next morning she shows up to work again at Dean and DeLuca. Turns out Abby came back. Danny is now opened. He's looking very capable, extremely chipper. He's got a skip in his his hand. Doesn't have a thing on his hand. He's not only on time, but he's earlier than he she thinks he should be because she was there to open up. Man's already opened up. He's on the phone taking calls for Dean and DeLuca. He's now the assistant manager. Mm-hmm. Look at that. We know it's before 8 a.m. because he's letting everyone know we open at 8. Yeah. And uh, he he explains Abby coming in and Abby comes by and says, you know, I can't think of a single thing that would be more irresponsible than to leave Danny in <laughs> charge of this place. Who is now the assistant manager. Yeah, because as disappointed as she was in Felicity, she was that impressed with Danny. He's like an angel. Can you believe this guy? He's like an angel who who does work at an orphanage unless he hired that nun to come in. Yeah, nun comes in with a a thank you card or whatever Mm -hmm. that was. From the orphans. Yeah. And um, we see Abby there, you know, kind of Picking a little piece of flint off of Danny's shoulder. So what are we meant to take away from Danny here? Was he just hustling her the whole time? Is that, is that all this was? I don't think so. I think Danny got some confidence from a couple of things. He, he locked up and he was able to do it. 
I mean, with Abby's help because she had come back during that time. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that Abby came back, found Danny there. And again, we don't know where Abby was or, or what state she was in. But I have a feeling that Danny got got quite a bit of confidence by banging Abby that night. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what happened. Abby came back, did Danny. Wow. Promoted him, made him look all spiffy. And uh, and then she just sort of, you know, she's saying, isn't he an angel? She's looking at him. She's pulling Flint off his sleeve. She's giving him the eye. And, uh, and Danny has, let's just say, risen to the occasion. I'm speechless. Fish, I've never, so this just goes to show you how wholesome I am. I've never <laughs> even thought of this. And as you're explaining it, this totally tracks. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I think. Listeners, <laughs> was I just missing this the whole time? Did everybody know this? And I was just like, <laughs> holy moly. Yeah. This is why we do this is why we do the co-host thing because folks i never could have given you this take but this take is there to, for the taking <laughs> wow yeah huh so confidence and it's also funny because we kind of swapped our optimist versus cynic roles here because here i am like he's been hustling her he took this and far and he and here he, i he am saying he banged the manager i don't know that that's yeah, but you're saying there's a real confidence. Like it, it, it's 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 not yeah. like uh, he was trying to. He wasn't trying to overtake Felicity. He wasn't trying to be conniving. No. He was, and I don't think so because he looks at Felicity and says like, "You don't have to like apologize or whatever it was that Abby wanted." He like mouths that at her. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't have to say anything. You know, I I think he was. And apparently there was enough time here because, you know, Abby was just gossiping and complaining about Felicity the whole time that they were trying to close up or whatever they were doing the night before. (laughs) And and Danny basically saved Felicity's job. (laughs) He did. And that's the thing. She was like, I I was going to fire you. But this this hunk of love over here said I was being too emotional. This angel just sent from the heavens who (laughs) probably complimented her hair up the wazoo. I am stunned. I don't know how you didn't pick up on any of this. I really didn't. Um, Okay. Well, I guess everybody is pretty much clocking where I'm at mentally. Okay, that's fine. Um... (laughs) How many times have I watched this and I've never picked up on that ever? This is why I, I need you probably fish. a few, a few hundred, at least, at least. Oh gosh! But it now totally you're gonna watch it again. How, I mean, she's picking stuff off his shoulders. She she's is. changing her like mind based on what he has to say because he's calling her emotional, like. Being all cold that with is him, not giving a him normal... a sideward glance. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a normal, like, you know, manager to assistant manager relationship. 
Okay. Okay. That's that's an assistant manager with benefits relationship. She so I guess I'm I'm just gonna posit this. Abby is to managing Dina DeLuca what Noel is <laughs> Noel to, is to an RA. <laughs> That is exactly, yes, that is the thought that I had. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's upsetting. Um, But this is also another reason that we need Javier back because uh, he's not gonna, he's not gonna cheat and and promote Danny because of some, you know, one night stand. I mean, who knows? Maybe they Oh, so this was my theory about why Abby isn't there anymore, that she and Danny run off together and this totally off. clocks like everything that yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, this works. Yeah, this works. Yeah. Hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really think about what I've done. <laughs> like, <laughs> with your life? With my or? life. I don't know. I was something. I'm just, I'm a mess right now, guys. Um, <laughs> this is like the hottest take I've ever heard about Felicity and shouldn't be, but it is. <laughs> I just thought it was an average episode, not average, yeah. but like just sort of the norm. Everyone yeah. thought, thought this was what was happening. Huh. Okay. I don't know what that does to my episode writing, but we'll all think about it. So, okay. Well, I think that kind of wraps the Felicity. Well, no, it doesn't. Um, the Felicity Danny. Felicity Danny stuff. I think there's also a bit of Felicity Noel that's happening. We've talked about a little bit of, of it with the tying of the tie. Mm-hmm. But there's an undercurrent of this. They're they're definitely rethinking where they are right now. They're certainly more open than they've been in the last few episodes to what the future holds. They're at least they're in that place, right? For a while, they were like not even able to think about anything but what each had done to the other, and it was so stuck in the past. And now it's very much a forward-looking place that they're at in their relationship. And it does appear that both of them want to be more than friends. From that first uh, that first scene, it it really does. But they they don't do anything. And then, you know, I don't think we can talk about the rest until we talk about, um, well, what I'm going to call the pressure cooker, the sauna mm-hmm. that occurs. Yeah. We in an earlier episode, we knew that Richard was having trouble with this heater. Mm -hmm. And this has really come to roost today, where Noel is just delivering some paperwork under people's doors and out pops Richard from his room. (laughs) It's steamy. Steamier than the artist than the than the studio. It's not, it's I mean, not the, it's not the dreamlike haze of the studio. Yeah, I was going to say, a, it's not the same. It's, it's, it's proper sauna yeah. in his room. Yeah. He's in his boxers only. He's delirious. Yep. He sees his mother. Yeah, who's just a, another guy in the, on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like out of breath and he's like, it's so hot. And Noel's like, is your heater still broken i thought that was fixed he's like, no it's a sod in here man like he's just he's a mess everybody's a mess it seems like at the start of this episode. that could be the sort of theme of this episode just mm-hmm. everyone is a mess yeah connections between um, one messy person to another 
but I will say he does look kind of cute in those shorts. Okay. And and they are also cute shorts. Yeah. I mean boxers or whatever. Like yeah, they're cute. I like them. Okay. Um, Noel just very, you know, as you would. I mean, just very logically says, "Look, dude, just stay somewhere else. We'll figure it out." And man, does he regret that. Mm-hmm. Richard's got nowhere to stay. Richard's got no other friends. What would make Noel think that Richard had another friend? I don't know, because Noel doesn't have any other friends. And he Richard did. is constantly knocking on Noel's door and harassing him. So obviously he's got a lot of time yeah. to dedicate to Noel. But Noel does admit here that they are friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Richard's got him because Noel says you must have friends other than me which mm-hmm. means noel is a friend haha mm-hmm. ah you trapped him yep yep so who's richard gonna stay with oh his best friend his good buddy noel yep yep and we're gonna get some uh some wonderful moments of sleepover vibes and and richard is still not gonna put his shirt on yeah, Richard just is living without a shirt for so much of this episode. He's reading Noel's mail. He's yeah. actually progressing the plot quite a bit because mm-hmm. Richard's reading Noel's mail and announcing to him what he's read. And it turns out Noel got a summer internship in Berlin, which is going to be the setup for the end of this <laughs> season. Thanks, Richard, for jumping in there and helping us. I um, guess, but like, what is this internship? Like, we have not heard about this. This is just completely. That's why we have Richard. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what did you apply for? Did you apply when you weren't, when you were already broken up? Like, I think that was, I yeah, I think that Noel submitted an application on a whim when he and Felicity were on the rocks, which is, a, you know, a pretty good amount of stretch of time. So he had plenty of time to do that, plus look for a new apartment, plus have a yard sale. Like he had a lot of things he was able to accomplish when Felicity and him were on the rocks, one of which was applying for this summer internship, which he probably thought he wasn't going to get. But then he did. Well, but he shouldn't have. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's a freshman. Who's going to fly him to Berlin for having no skills? I mean, he he does some sort of computer stuff, right? Well, it's also worth noting that that probably was, you know, nowadays being a guy who had his own website and graphic was, you know, a graphic designer and like, you know, maybe nowadays that wouldn't, it would, there would be a lot more people to pick from, but that was like really early days of the internet. He is, he was a sophomore. Oh, that's right. He is rising junior. So, you know, we are kind of at that point where he probably had some skills and, you know, the fact that he had a website, there probably weren't as many people who had all that to boast on a resume and he's a rising junior. So. All right. right. I take it back. He could have gotten a real internship in Berlin. He did. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um. He got this summer, inter- or they, they were offering him this summer internship in Berlin. And Richard immediately goes to, what's Felicity going to say about all this? Have you told her? Yeah. And now, he, now it's that. funny because this is the first time that they've had a conversation. Richard and Noel have this conversation where Richard goes all the way friend on Noel and Noel receives it. 
he's like, well, have you told Felicity? And I was like, no, I haven't. And he, you know, Richard encourages him to try telling Felicity and then to read the expression on her face to see how she'll react. And Noel's like actually taking some of this in. He's listening. Second time. This is the second time. We have to Mm -hmm. remember he went in search of Eli again on Richard's recommendation. But he wasn't as friendly Mm -hmm. (laughs) about that piece of information. But Richard does give him this this advice that for some reason no listens to and takes takes action on yeah um and you know he he says he's not going to you know he said he wasn't going to look for Eli and he doesn't initially either because you know we'll see we'll see him have another conversation with Richard later where he still hasn't done it where Richard's like, honestly, wouldn't you rather know if Felicity doesn't care? Hmm. And Noel's like, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I see your point, but I don't know if I have the answer you wanted. Um, and I do enjoy, I do enjoy that scene because I love how Richard's tucked in to his little sleeping bag <laughs> and the two of them are just like having a sleepover, talking about girls and then Richard just got to push it too far. He's like, dude, this is awesome. Let's be roommates. Yeah, we should be and... roommates next year. And you just hear the soft snoring of Noel fakely <laughs> trying to sleep it off. Noel just turns over and puts a pillow over his head. Yeah. He refuses to discuss any further. Yeah. Um, but before we get away from that, that lovely interaction, uh, I don't know how many people saw this but i noticed behind richard some big fluffy ugg boots of the female variety yeah and i'm just i'm just asking are they richards or are they knolls or third option (laughs) do they belong to that rebecca haas the one of post-it fame that's true we're not sure how much of Rebecca's stuff is actually in Noel's room. I mean, those could be her Doritos. That could be her blue fan. Mm-hmm. Who knows what she's got in his locker? Flag. I mean, she might be in his locker. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and maybe her post-its, you make me wanna, maybe it meant to say, you make me wanna get my Uggs back. Yeah, it could, could be. Um, I mean, we saw the whole post-it, but maybe it's on the backside of the post. Well, you know, it was subtext. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. I mean, he'd know. He'd yeah. know. I um, I wanna I wanna talk with the people who did <laughs> the set design for Noel's room. Like well, for a bunch of people, like I would love to talk to the people who did Megan's room. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Megan's room. We have poured over Megan's room and it makes sense to me all the stuff that's in her room. It's all strangely fits together in a beautiful way. Noel's room is like, what's, what do we got here? And (laughs) like, what does the studio have? We're going to take anything. We don't care if it makes no sense. Like there are so many things that they put in Noel's room. Like at least Felicity, they went minimalist. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't, she, as she gets, as she gets more stuff, I suppose it fits because it's functional, 
I Noel mean, has a lot of decorative <laughs> things that have no purpose in life. Yeah, I feel like Felicity's room is like a normal college room from a decorating standpoint, mm-hmm. probably once you hit maybe sophomore or junior year, because you just go to Goodwill and yeah, you get that ugly green chair. Like mm-hmm. you can sit in it, just spray it with a whole bunch of, I don't know, raid and God knows what else um, <laughs> to get rid of the bugs. And then that's what you use or you get a futon or whatever. Her, that seems normal. Add mm-hmm. a little bit at a time. Yeah. But Noel just showed up. I mean, he is a sophomore, so he had time. But he shows up with, like, the American flag, a bunch of, like, you know, potential war hero pictures, a pair of female Uggs that I don't think are going to fit him. So I'm I'm thinking maybe they're Richard's or Rebecca's. Um random gym lockers yeah the gym lockers is beyond me absolutely <laughs> beyond me why why stuff in. how would you even transport that you know get bins like everybody else <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason they have bins yeah. you know and I, I just it's, it's dumbfounding to me what they have put into Noel's room and I want to I want answers from somebody who did set design. You know, like Julie's room makes a lot of sense. They, they give us a phone, they put flower stickers all over it. That, that tracks, I get it, you know, like it makes sense. The, the loft, I don't think I've seen anything in the loft that I question. Well, the lo- so I had a moment in the loft this time because Ben is walking out, talking to his mom, telling her everything's fine. He mm-hmm. walks out, walks, I guess, into the loft. And there's this, you know, very nice kind of paper, tall paper lantern. And you look around this loft and it seems like Sean has bank. Like that loft is not only huge, but it it's also got some very nice like pieces of art and decoration in it. Yeah. So we can come back to that, but I don't understand how Sean is not, you know, just rolling in it. If that's how he can decorate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's something to be said. So I guess there's a question for that, but yeah, for me, no, it's the gym lockers that really put you over the, the edge. For me, yeah. It was the American flag. The yeah. giant American flag is yeah. what does it for me. And the and like the picture on the wall of like veterans or whatever. Like I, I don't know. I mean, there's just it's just a hodgepodge of stuff. <laughs> you know, you just anything could be in Noel's room on any given day, and they seem to have come up with a good reason to put it there. But did they? Did they though? Like, I think, I think a lot of times set design is meant to make something, maybe you're not supposed to look at stuff as detailed as we do and pause screens, but I think you're supposed to feel more of the essence of the person from things that they chose to do with the set design. But with Noel, it just adds more question marks for me. And it's not stuff that's ever going to be explained or like, we're never going to get context for any of it. It's just is. So... Anyway, I agree. I mean, all of that to say, Richard is in Noel's room. 
<laughs> and he's given all this advice. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yep. um, and the next time we see Noel, he, he then will actually follow up on that advice and he's going to tell Felicity about Berlin. Yep. And we see for not the first time, Felicity starting to look sad and Noel getting a goofy grin on his face, which again, I still feel yeah. is kind of creepy, but yeah. all right. He likes the fact that he, he believes she still has feelings. Um, I just don't like how happy he is every time she gets sad. Yeah. And or, like, I have to say crying. it was subtle too. Like it was. Carrie Russell, I thought did a really interesting job of playing this where Noel was desperately looking for a moment of like crestfallen energy on Felicity's face. And Carrie Russell gave us just a moment of pause and reflection. And maybe you could say there was a little bit of sadness there. It was, it was subtle, but it was, there was a beat before she went, Oh, congratulations. That's amazing. And he was looking for that beat and he read into it a whole lot. And for her, you know, I think it was, there was a subtlety there that yeah, we can I mean, explore. She, yeah, she went from sort of an up, you know, kind of having an up interested face to having it kind of fall for, mm-hmm. a, for a moment. And then I felt there was a, a little bit of overcompensation in the, that's so great, congratulations. You know, it was, it was enough. I think for anyone, not anyone, like definitely not Sean or, um, but, but for most people to pick up on. Yeah. Uh, but for but me, it, it was so not happy. as exaggerated as way back earlier this season when Felicity and Ben and Julie hang out together for the first time at the bar and they're telling those stories and Julie gets up to get some more drinks and Ben says, Oh, I'm kind of into Julie and Felicity's face drops all the way. Mm. So I've seen that level of what Felicity can do in terms of disappointment. She's reined it in a bit here. Yeah, no, it definitely was very quick. Um, but he saw it and we saw it mm-hmm. and he, he's super happy now. And I mean, you're saying it's going to set us up for the end. I mean, I would just assume given what we see in the next scene, mm-hmm. or maybe he was going to pass on that internship. No, <laughs> he is not. Apparently well, not. I think what they're setting us up for is going to be a cliffhanger where Felicity has some choices to make. It's like maybe the, I'm trying to think if they've done another, such a cliffhanger episode as they do at the end of season one. I, they really went out all in on season one to do a cliffhanger. I can't, I can't think of any other seasons that ended that quite that same way, but, but this is, this is uh, a choice that potentially will be in front of Felicity. So, you know, they they had to introduce it somehow. And so now we know Noel's got this opportunity. What does that have to do with Felicity? Well, does she want to go with him? It's something she that they want to go with him it's to some, Berlin. Yeah, it's something that they're setting up for. Oh, I can't imagine our parents are going to pay for that. 
Well, she has the money given. Just keep watching. Hey, we told you all that this was not a spoiler-free episode. So if you're watching this back, you know we're setting up for this. Um, but this is the, you know, I, I feel like actually they're setting up for the whole cliffhanger starting in this episode. And they're, they're going to keep unpacking that over the next couple because we've got two more episodes in this season. So they, they've, they I think, sort of given us the moment of, of genesis of where the cliffhanger will start. Although they've been giving us backstory even for this whole last third of this season. But, you know, knowing that Noel has this Berlin opportunity in front of him is important. It's not random. It's not something he's going to immediately reject. So, so the next time we see them, it's, it's a little weird and, and I'll come back, I guess a little bit to how I feel about this Berlin thing as I was talking about this. Um, so we're going to have to circle back on the whole reason that they're together, right? Mm-hmm. We'll get back to this other part, but we know that, you know, Ben is, he's missing. We don't mm-hmm. know where he is. And uh, Felicity has brought in Noel to search. And at this point, it seems to be the middle of the night and they're just kind of giving up on him, which I thought was a little rough. Yeah. Um, and apparently that somehow makes them a bit horny um so well they have that sort of walk me to my door moment where they stop in front of noel's door and yeah but they're they're well i mean their friend is out missing after having been in their minds attacked and i'm like this is not the most romantic moment but you know what it tracks because everything about them is just awkward and weird so Okay. okay Mm-hmm. Um, so also, they're they're gonna do this the long good night discussion, just kind of lingering in front of his door, yeah. you know, like uh, can friends kiss? Friends can kiss, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He leans in and he gives her a kiss on the cheek, which I mm-hmm. thought was fine. I was like, okay, your friend's missing. I'll give you a comforting kiss on the cheek, but it's no so you know it's not gonna end there. Mm-hmm. Um. So he then gives her this really nice sort of tentative, let's test the waters kiss. And (laughs) and Felicity's reaction is friends can kiss. And he's kind of like, oh, thank God. And then just like, bam. Yeah. And now they're Um, off to the races up until... Well, I mean, they are right in front of his door. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember that Noel now has another person in his life. Yeah. Maybe it's not so happy that he's spending time out in the middle of the night. Every moment that Noel is with Felicity in front of his door is a moment is a moment lost for Richard. Yes. It's a yes, moment it that they couldn't have a heart to heart. Uh-huh. About Felicity. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, Richard just, he opens the door. He's got a little, you know, f- stuff on his face, maybe some moisturizer, some sort of gel-like 
concoction. Um, and he's just like, where have you been? Do you know what time it is? What are you doing? I was worried sick. Yes, he's worried about you. Did you not tell him? No, did you not call and let him know when you were going to be home? He may have had dinner ready. You don't know. Who knows? He's got all kinds of your mail that he's read that he wants to tell you about, probably. Probably. He's been trying on your eye boots. I don't know. I still think those are Richard's. Could be. They're too small for Noel. And I don't don't believe they're Rebecca's. I believe Richard owns those boots. Meanwhile, Richard's been, he's been using this time to class up the joint. He took the post-it off of the door. That's exactly what I was going to say. Richard does not want Rebecca's, you know, cooties all over their new room. Uh So he's, uh, he's removed the post-it note and he has put firmly on the door (laughs) that Noel is in fact the RA. Yeah. There's this big sign that says resident advisor. (laughs) Big sign. And, um, and I thought, I love Richard. <laughs> I know, I do too. <laughs> he's like, yeah, everybody needs to know. Yeah. Like, you gotta get your act together, Noel. And he's not wrong. Oh, he's not. He at wants all. his friend to be the best he can be at his job. What's so bad about that? <laughs> I mean, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I mean, at least he's not trying to, you know, um, he doesn't see. Noel kissing Felicity and immediately asked to put a satellite dish up. So yeah, I mean things have changed here. Yeah, it's all, so all about him. Some project progress. Um, yeah. And I really did think in this moment, like if you if you think the way I'm thinking, and and you watch this scene, I thought Noel was going to just walk into the room. Uh-huh. That's not what happened. He he goes very far into the room grabs the door handle and shuts it in Richard's face <laughs> while Noel's which, still outside the room. Yes. Yes. Which was pretty funny when I thought he was just going to walk into the room. <laughs> yeah, they did that really well. The yeah. the way they shot that and the way yeah. Scott Foley played that, I think they they did it exactly right. <laughs> it play, played for comedy for sure. Yeah, definitely got a laugh out of me. Um the other thing I will just say, so and again, we're just going to have to keep circling back around to this. Um, when when Ben walks into, what is this guy's name? The Barry? Book. Yes. Mm-hmm. When he walks into Barry's room, we don't immediately see Barry's face. Mm-hmm. I swear, I thought that was Richard and that he had opened up a gambling like that would have been priceless. I yeah. really thought it was Richard. I was like, you're going to Richard from for placing bets and money, Ben. <laughs> but that's not what was going on. That's not so, what was happening there. Yeah. But I, I definitely felt that. So, well, so I feel like that kind of wraps us up with where we are with Noel and Felicity and Felicity and Danny and all the Felicity things, mostly the non Ben related Felicity things. Um, yes. There are two other, what feel to me like major threads, storylines to look at here. Which one do you want to look at? We could look at Elena, we could look at Ben. Let's just go, let's just start with Ben. There's so many things that we've opened up. There's a lot with Ben. Yeah. yeah. So, and since I did just talk about um, 
the bookie scene, just going to see Barry, who I literally wrote down, thought this was Richard. Yeah. Um, so Ben is going to see Barry. And I'm going to say this because I'm sure Melissa wouldn't. He's got this amazing leather jacket on. Oh, yeah, I definitely didn't register that. Yeah, no, I mean, it is hot. It does make him look like an enforcer. Um, I mean, you know what I was thinking about this week, Fish? I was thinking if you were going to have one of us, one of the two of us, be an eyewitness, (laughs) it's not even a question which one of us. You'd be like, okay, they were about this tall, they were about this much. Here's every distinguishing feature of their face and everything that they were wearing. And I'd be like, I feel like he was thinking. It seemed like he was really stressed. <laughs> and I noticed he had this little tick that he was doing anytime he said the word like. <laughs> I, it would be a no-brainer which one of us yeah. would like for that job. I would say, however, I still would be a terrible eyewitness because so a couple of things that I've also been thinking about. So I I had so my mother came to my place and uh, we were watching uh, like a, maybe a movie or something, or we were thinking about watching a movie. And she starts describing this scene to me. And she starts describing what everybody's wearing, what their hair looks like, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, hmm, maybe it's genetic or environmental. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but the other thing with me is I think one of the reasons that I track all of this stuff is because I am extremely bad at recognizing faces. Well, I'm also bad at that too. (laughs) Like, well, but if you asked me any person, even a person I knew really well, and you said, what's their eye color? I would have no answers for you. I barely know my own eye color. (laughs) But if you were, if, if you were walking down the street And like three or four of your friends are walking in the other direction or Mm -hmm. walking towards you and you looked up at them, you'd realize they were your friends, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't. And there was actually this whole like game that my freshman dorm would play with like on me where, you know, they'd be walking down the street and, and they'd like be passing me. And they'd like say hi, or they'd like get my attention or something. And I would have no idea who they are. Yeah. Because I don't like, I don't recognize people's faces. It's also the reason I can never figure out like who exactly is at a movie or like, I I just, I can't close my eyes and picture anyone's face ever. And so because of that, I do think I overcompensate with clothing choices and hair and the way people walk and their shoes because i you know if i know someone and they have this really weird pair of shoes all i have to do is look at the shoes and i'm like oh you know it's brandy like i know who that is um okay okay i know it's a weird thing so i also think i'd be a terrible eyewitness if everybody was like dressed the same i'd be like ah 
Okay. Well, okay. Well, so Barry was wearing wearing a leather jacket. I know we've gone on this. We're the tangent queens today. Man, I love this about you. Ben was the one wearing the leather jacket. Ben was wearing a leather jacket. (laughs) (laughs) You said Barry. Okay, fine. Ben was wearing a leather jacket. And the important part Mm. about the leather jacket is, you know, it made him look big like an enforcer. You know, it, he walked in that room. Barry probably took one look at him and went, I have a job for you. Yeah. Because you just know this is going to a rough place. Right. Barry, you know, Barry set this meeting with Ben. Ben owes him money. He's like, I need, I need you to talk to the other guys. And Ben is, like you said, initially thinking, like, I'm not going to threaten other guys. He's thinking Barry wants him to beat up other guys. And Which he does. Yeah, That's but Barry sort of PRs his way through it, a little public mm-hmm. relations Barry here. And he's like, no, I want the opposite of that. I want friendly folks. Uh-huh. Which, so here's the thing about Ben. We see him try this, okay? Mm-hmm. And from the outset, he actually... He could be very good at this. This could have been really effective, actually, being the friendly folk for Barry. He was really good at being like, Barry is a friend. He's worried about you. He's wondering what's up. He's covering Mm -hmm. you, man. Like, that actually was really good sales. So that's not the direction I was going, but but that is a fair interpretation. Okay. So you were thinking something completely different, which is so strange that we would have that happen to us. Um, so, you know, Ben knows some of the people on the list and unfortunately for Guy, he, he owes Barry some money and, you know, Ben walks off the elevator, walks over, he sits down next to Guy and he very friendly kind of says, you know, we have a mutual acquaintance. Mm -hmm. It's Barry. Yeah. And you owe Barry some money. And what does Guy think? Guy thinks he's getting beat up because yeah. that that moment, like this is what I was tracking when I was seeing the jacket and the enforcer look. Ben sits down and in a friendly way says, you owe this guy money? That is a threat. Okay? But then Ben keeps talking. And that was what Barry, I think, didn't count on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but Ben, ben was doing what that. he was tasked with, ultimately being the friendly folk. See, but I don't think I don't think that's what Barry really wanted. I think Barry Probably wanted not. a big guy who was going to sit down, say something that sounded friendly, and scare the living shit out of the people who owed him money, mm-hmm. which Ben absolutely could have and did at first do. Barry did not count on the fact that Ben would keep talking. But Ben, in his keeping talking, was actually doing a better sales job than the initial threat, I thought. So for Ben then to say, no, 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 you don't understand, guy. Like, Barry considers you a good buddy. He's worried about you. He's wondering how you are. Barry's covering for you. It's tough for Barry. You know, it's hard for him to cover you. And Guy's like, well, I never thought about it that way. And it's that that makes Guy want to cough up his cash from Kitchenette. And had Ben left it right there, he would have at least had a partial payment. And that would have been a good sales story for him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't stop there. He really well, was being he a friendly kept guy. Talking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just wrote down Ben is not good at this because not only does Ben not take the money, the $30 the guy has for the whole week, he also says, forget about the money and screw Barry. Yeah, screw Barry was a bridge too far, I think. <laughs> that was where he lost it. You know, he was, he almost had the 30 bucks. Yeah. Guy would have had to figure out what to do with the rest of his week. He would Ben would have had thirty bucks, but the moment Ben says "screwberry," you know that's going to get back. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just it's a setup for failure here. And so, so we go from that to Ben continuing to be sullen and upset, and do his you know his hand over the face thing that he does. Mm-hmm. when he's overwhelmed yeah um and i wrote down something which i guess is not going to happen but the next time we see him is in the locker room and first of all i'm upset that you know we didn't get to see any guy but i mean it's a locker room but that's fine mm-hmm. um so i wrote down is he gonna throw a meat because they start talking, he and Lane start talking about. Lynn. Why do I keep doing that? I don't know. Lynn deserves to be recognized for his achievements. Does I? I've watched too much Gilmore Girls. Sorry. Oh, Lynn, 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 Lynn. He and Lynn talk about. Uh, or really, Lynn just talks about this meat that's coming up, and I was thinking, well, maybe that's another way that Ben could you know, work off his, his debt is to throw a meat. Is there much of a, is there much of a betting on swim meets thing that happens? Look, I'm assuming Barry's got his hands in whatever's out there. Yeah. Seems like an enterprising fellow. Um, and I would think with college, people bet on some stupid shit. Yeah. I guess I never thought about it for swimming, but it, it makes sense. I suppose if I don't know how much of a market there is for that, but I guess betting is betting. So he, yeah, that is absolutely a, a path they could have taken with this. They didn't happen to take that path, but I feel like other shows have tried to do things like that. Yeah. But instead, as we predicted from the last one, Lynn has not taken their little, as he calls it, tussle mm-hmm. so seriously. And he's like, come on, stop giving me the cold shoulder, you know, enough with the silent treatment. Um, Let's be friends. I think there's something really important to notice here about Ben. And so, so this is as much as we didn't talk about Ben for the first hour of this podcast, (laughs) this episode really is pretty Ben centric. I mean, it's, it's very much tracking Ben's rock bottom. And he, you know, he, he's been dealing with this stuff for many, many episodes now, but it couldn't get worse. Like every scene, it gets worse and worse and worse until he just probably hits bottom here. Um, I would think. I'm kind of glad to hear that this is, this is rock bottom because let me tell you, it can get worse. This is, I think this is pretty much rock bottom for him. Um, But I think there's a really important thing that makes that distinction for us. The whole 
I'm not even going to say beginning of this episode. The majority of this episode is spent with Ben being completely unable to ask people for help. The closest people to him, he can't tell them about what he's going through. He can't ask for help with what he's going through. Even when he asks Sean for help, Sean doesn't even necessarily know how bad the situation really is. And and Sean's kind of clueless. He's like proud to be a mentor. Ben is struggling (laughs) with asking for help until he asks for help. And for me, that's a point of delineation here. Yeah, and here he he doesn't even have to ask for it. Lynn offers to help. But he's been way too proud to take it. Yeah, and he's really defensive. Mm -hmm. And again, this comes back to, I think, when we talked about early, early on, you know, when you've had the main people in your life who are supposed to take care of you let you down so many times mm-hmm. and when you ask for help either like use it against you or hurt you right after that the last thing you want to do is ask for help because the only thing that you associate with that is more pain emotional and or physical in his dad's case mm-hmm. Um, and having to be vulnerable to get hurt. Yeah. And so I completely understand where he's coming from. Like he doesn't want to rely on anyone. I get it. And I think the thing that you start to notice in this episode is actually how many people could be there for him in some way. Can they like all give him money? I don't know. But like, there is... there are a lot of characters in this show that if Ben asked for support would give it. And we start to see that at the end, but there are even characters like right after Lynn and Ben have that discussion where Ben's being too proud and Lynn's offering help. And, you know, then the coach comes up to him. I really don't think it's pride. It's protection. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's so defensive. He's really defensive. It's not, I really don't think it's pride. But then right after that, you know, and this is not a character that'll even come up again in this episode after this scene, but the coach comes up to Ben, his swim coach, and he's like, hey, Ben, what's going on? Like, the, there seems to be a problem in the bursar's office. The tuition isn't paid. They're telling me I have to temporarily suspend you until it gets sorted out. Ben's like, it's not going to be a problem. It's not going to be a problem. But I don't know, like, maybe that's also another guy that had been been like, I'm having problems coach. Like, would that guy have been there? I mean, it seems like. I think that's doubtful. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what your experiences with coaches have been, but mine is, you know, they don't get paid a lot and they don't have a lot of flexibility when it comes to the administration, unless they're a football coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, for something like swimming or say water polo, <laughs> there really was not much they could do. Um, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm just thinking back to my own coaches in college, and would I? Would I? Do I think I could have had a conversation with them about something like this and expected to get more money from it? I don't know about that, but I think I would have gotten support of some yeah. sort. Um, this I, guy. I don't know if that's true seem- for everybody. Yeah, and this guy didn't seem super 
friendly, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he was like, when Ben tried out, he was like, okay, you made it. Like, good job. Bye. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems kind of by the book, but I absolutely agree with the number of people because I wrote down um, really towards the end all the people that were looking for Ben. So we've mm-hmm. got Julie, Elena, Noel, Felicity, Sean, Lynn. And then he wasn't looking for him, but there's also the potential of support from his mom. And I just wrote down that these are so many people to push away. Yeah, it it's so sad. Yeah. You know, it's, I get, I get why, I get your, your, um, what you're putting out there in terms of why he's doing it. And it makes a lot of sense to me. And then you just see the sheer volume of people who really want to be there for Ben. And it's like, ah, this guy. It's hard on both sides. Yeah. And then there's the one guy who probably could help, but just isn't the bank officer the loan officer. Yeah. I mean, that's probably exactly what you get in that office. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, you don't go to a bank for a student. Like you don't go to a regular bank officer for a student loan. Yeah. And I feel like he probably should have asked, I don't know, Noel or Elena or Felicity or someone who would have done research like what to do with this but of course he's not going to he just goes to sean and doesn't even really ask him how to help with this um like how do you actually get a student loan uh i don't know well i mean i think government programs yeah i mean you probably special go to the financial products. aid office is what i think you'd probably do i, I, I mean there's there's a lot of options yeah. And a regular bank officer is not one of them. Yeah. He really needed to walk into the financial aid office of his school to have the first conversation. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's in front of this loan officer at a regular old bank. And, you know, this guy is using the royal we to mean you. Uh, he's saying we don't have any assets or credit history. Ben's like, I thought banks had stuff like that. He's like, no, 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 no. See, this is code. I'm talking in code, man. Um, so, you know, the, he's he's going to really establish this, this device of just being like, I'm always going to say we to show support, but I'm actually mean you've got a problem, man. Uh, <laughs> and I just can't tell here. And maybe you can tell me like, is Ben just dumb or like, did his family have money? And so he doesn't understand how personal finance works. I I think it's entirely possible to be in college and have no idea how that stuff works. I think uh, I probably, I didn't. I mean, to walk into a bank and say, and have the loan officer say like we don't have assets or credit and for you to assume that that's about the bet like you've never heard of a credit rating or credit score or i don't know i think he's pretty green in this area i mean he's he's just you know he's even he's bargaining with the guy he's proposing a solution that actually has a term a definition for it you know like it's he he doesn't he just needs a solution he doesn't really understand the world that he's walking into so he's not dumb. He's just, 
I don't think it would be at all unusual for, I mean, I think that's the very reason that so many credit card companies target young students with like high interest rate credit cards. Cause they know that these, a lot of these kids have never had to think about their finances before ever in their lives. And now, mm-hmm. you know, they might be dealing with at least having to, t- some people do, some people don't, right? Some people have a lot more responsibility on their shoulders of making ends meet when they're in college and some are being taken care of um, by their parents or who, you know, whoever, uh, whoever they are dependents to. So I think like I could totally understand a college kid walking into a, walking into a bank and being totally out of their depth, but he has no choices here. Like he has to, he has to go in and it's not like he can look up on the internet, like all the, everything you need to know about loans, you know, this, there, that wasn't a thing. So the way that you would get the information is you'd go to the library or you'd talk to people who had that experience and his friends, his peers don't have that experience. Maybe you could say Sean does, which is why he goes to Sean when the bank officers like, the loan oh, no. officer says, you know, I need somebody to co. Can you get somebody to co-sign on this? Sean's the only guy you can really think of that has, um, y- you know, that is more established. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I'll just actually, you know, give my parents credit here where credit is due. They did start me off pretty young, like learning about personal finance and savings and working and I started working at like 14 I guess I had to get like an exemption from the state of California and um and like putting money away and figuring out what a debit card is figuring out what a a credit card is having it to build my credit um they they did do a good amount of financial education so I give them credit for that um, I, I kind of had a middle ground. Like I, I definitely had like a savings account and I had some knowledge of things like that, but I mean, stuff like balancing a checkbook or writing checks or having like, I didn't have a credit card or a debit card or anything like that. I dealt with cash, um, initially. And then I think I might've gotten a, a bank account that I had a debit card for when I got to college. So I was learning that whole thing at that point. I knew, I knew, um, I knew like the value of a dollar and I had been making money and I had jobs and stuff. And I always like would put it straight into savings, but like the idea of spending wasn't (laughs) something that I learned anything about and like how you do that. So, and, and loans, like that wasn't a thing that I knew much about. So I think I was kind of in a bit of a middle territory with it, but I imagine there are a lot of kids who go to college who have no clue. Yeah. And apparently Ben was one of those people and he, he just, so he does go to, to Sean uh, to, to be a co-signatory. And, you know, I love that Sean says, Oh yeah, I wanted to be a mentor. I had a mentor. Well, actually it was a, a tutor and and I paid him. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, Ben still wants to keep this a secret. And yeah. man, when when he says, 
you know, Julie doesn't need to know everything. Yeah. She'll just worry. I mean, that is, I don't know, that, that always strikes me as not a great thing to say. Yeah. I mean, cause Sean's so excited about being there for Ben in this way. And he wants to, Sean wants to tell Julie about it and he starts to, and Ben just like puts a kibosh on that right away. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, Sean, she's asking me if we uh, wanted to go to the library. He's just covering and Sean to his credit notices that something's up with that as much as he's often <laughs> clueless about subtleties. I think it's, it's, he's reading it as strange that Ben wants to keep this a secret from Julie. And, you know, Julie doesn't really think twice about it. She takes that explanation and and runs with it. But I think it's just another signal of how much is unsaid, like the the, the distance that there's been in Ben and Julie's relationship. And this is one of the reasons why is really evident to me here. Yeah. I mean, they're cranking the pressure up on Ben and he is not, he is not dealing well. He is not. He is, he, he, the anger is definitely starting to come out more, especially when they go back to the bank. Oh man. Oh man. This was hard to watch. So the, the, the loan officers like, Hey, uh, Sean's not your guy. He has credit issues. But of course, he's doing the whole, we have credit issues, but and Sean's like, we? Uh, and he's like, no, Ben's like, no, he means you. I've already figured this out. I, <laughs> process. I, I know that he means you. And where Ben, I think, had a tone of sort of bargaining with this guy in the first scene he had with him, in this scene, he's just angry. Yep. It's like, you're not That's trying to help. Down. He's just angry. He's, and, and this guy's not having it. He just gets up and walks away. Yeah, and Ben stands up and and Sean has to like physically get in his way. Mm-hmm. And then he he yells at the guy and then he just kind of collapses back into the chair and puts his hands over his face again. You know, just the sheer amount of screen time with Ben having his hands over his face shows mm-hmm. you how worked up he is. Yeah. Um do, however, have an award for this scene. Oh. And uh, the award goes to Sean for uh, best idea yet. Mm-hmm. Bagel knobs. That was a really good idea, wasn't it? Oh, it was such a good idea. You can, like, put, you know, what was it? Uh, like a lock spread into them. Like inject fillings into them. It's like donut holes with a bagel filling. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a good idea. Has no one ever done this. I don't know what's wrong with people. Oh, that was a fantastic idea, Sean. I continue to be impressed by the two ideas you've had that weren't crap. Yeah. This one and the vending machines with disposable cameras. But this one is still relevant. It is. Someone should do this. Yeah. And if they have done it, listeners tell us, where can we buy this product? Uh, Yeah. But, But it, I feel like it would need to be fresh. Like, I, I feel like a frozen knob wouldn't be great. Yeah. Like heating it up in the microwave. Yeah. Fair um, enough. So it needs to be like a local thing. Like, this has to this has to catch on nationally. We either need a chain or we need multiple local bake, 
bakeries and, and bagel stores to pick this up. Yes. Yeah. All of you bakery owners, bagel knobs. Yeah. That's we the move. Want them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I'm else are you doing with that dough? Huh? I mean, probably making it into bagels. That's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this yes. is why Sean cannot help because he has an ongoing debt yeah. with a dough firm company. and dough company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's now it's really not looking good. And you know, Sean's like, it'll be fine. Ben's like, I really don't know how. Honestly, yeah. like he's he's just getting to that point now where he's it's he's kind of he's been trying to figure some options out and he's getting backed further and further into a corner. And then again, you know, you had mentioned it earlier. We have that short scene where he's on the, he's in the loft, he's in the apartment and he's on the phone with his mom and he's lying to her, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, everything's fine. Things are good. Rosie and then, you know, rainbows and dogs and puppies. And yeah, it's like, uh, this is yet another conversation where he could have been telling somebody what's actually happening in his world. But, and he again puts his hands over his face, but we come back to this later uh -huh. as to why he's lying to his mom. Yeah, I think it's an important thing what he says when we come back to it, but there's still more to be had. There's more torture for yeah. all of us. Uh, and there's this one- another thing that he might, he might, another level he might be willing to stoop to, find some money but he hasn't quite stooped there yet he he had reservations about it which is good we see julie watches ben catches him putting sean's watch back in a box and it's a mystifying moment to julie because she has been left out of so much of this right so she's like what is he doing and ben sees that he's been caught doing something shady and he explains it to her. I was going to take Ben's, uh, Sean's watch. I was going to sell it at that pawn shop where I got your guitar. And, but now I'm putting it back. So he didn't do it. But boy, was he thinking about it. Yeah. And he's yelling at Julie. Yeah, he's I angry mean, at Julie. His, I don't think he's angry at Julie. I think he's angry at being caught. But he's taking it out on julie and he's, he's yelling at her sure. and he's not apologizing and you know this is and julie's caught really off guard in this she doesn't really know what to say she's sort of just like i think what he interprets as judgment from her she just doesn't know what to say yeah. She does. She ha she has not been informed of what's been happening for him. She sees him taking this somewhat desperate act, which must for her seem fairly out of the blue. If she really soul searched, she'd find that there were some signs that she has mm -hmm. seen to this point. But, you know, she, she, you know, he's probably been telling her it's fine. And yeah. she is seeing evidence that it's not. She's seeing something you know, really shady that he's doing. And, you know, I think the fact that she doesn't quite know what to say reads as judgment to him. And then, but then she starts trying to find words. She's like, can you ask your parents? Can you like, she's trying to think of solutions and she is way too 
at the, you know, starting point of this problem <laughs> to provide solutions that he hasn't already thought about um, and doesn't already have answers for. And it just reads to him in the wrong way. And he's angry with her. He's like, you don't even, it, it, it's, re, it's just like, you don't know the half of it, Julie. Um, yeah. It's I, hard. Mean, I don't think there was much that she could have said. And I think we've seen enough at this point where Ben has been stressed and Julie has kind of tiptoed around him um, where he's yelled at her a couple of times. One time he apologized, two times he hasn't. (laughs) She's you know, said things even earlier in this episode, like, oh, you weren't in class. Or, you know, can you stop playing darts and losing money? Um, you know, she said these little things and he he does not react well to them. And, and in this moment, I almost feel like, I just, I feel like this is such a complex moment for Julie because she still cares about him, mm-hmm. but he's closed off and he's snapping at her. He's been violent in front of her. He is not communicating with her. And she has this history, if we remember from earlier, of being a people pleaser and, and being treated badly by men, you know, whether she was dating them or not. And so I get that, like, if I was in Julie's place, right, I'm done, I'm out. Like you, there there are just a couple of things, everybody's different, but there's a couple of things you don't do with me. And screaming and yelling and getting violent around me are, are like all of those things um like where i'm i'm done yeah and but i do kind of see this maybe backsliding from julie back into this pattern of she's ben is not a good guy to be around right now and i have identified with ben i still identify with ben but I have also like not been a good person to be around or be in a relationship with at times. And like, for me, like Julie needs to get out. I mm-hmm. mean, this, and, and we'll see and a little Julie's later. Julie's been dealing with a lot of stuff too. You know, I yeah. mean, can a guy who's dealing with this amount of stuff be where she needs him to be for, the finding of her birth mom and you know she's still it's still the rape is still somewhat recent you know like it there's a lot of trauma that's happened for her in in season one and you know ben's kind of another trauma right now yeah absolutely absolutely but we see 
And I think it's a pattern they've gotten into as well. Cause I think that this is just some, a groove that they've fallen into because we see, we're going to see a little bit later how Ben approaches Felicity. It's different. And exactly. I, I think it's, this isn't necessarily about who Ben is. I think it's about, a. I think it's about his behaviors right now for the situation that he's in. And I also think that exacerbating that is a pattern he's gotten into with Julie and there's just a, a lot going against them right now. Yeah. I mean, it's that there, there is definitely something about Felicity and Ben that is different for him. Um, and I think part of it is she hasn't really been involved in yeah. much of the stuff that he's been doing. And Julie has, and he's worried her and he's hurt her. And I don't think he is emotionally insensitive. I I think he gets what he's done. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, there's, there's a bit of a, a difference there, but I will say, I mean, we should not be blaming Julie, right? Like this is on Ben, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, there is a little bit of Julie is letting him get away with it. Um, and like, she shouldn't have to set up, you know, those really strong boundaries and she, maybe she shouldn't have to say things like, you know, don't yell at me. Um, (laughs) but, but it is a, a little bit enabling this pattern that they have fallen into and and the actions and the attitude that he has that you know she doesn't seem to want to lose him mm-hmm. yeah and i i also wanted to point out at the end of the scene where julie catches him putting the watch back and he kind of gives a very rough rudimentary explanation of what just happened sean then mm-hmm. comes into the conversation and Ben just walks out of the conversation and he tells, and he leaves it on Julie. He's like, tell Sean what I did. He should know not taking any responsibility for it himself, letting passing that buck over to Julie. And I'm sure Julie did tell Sean because she's now very worried about him and she's trying, probably trying to figure it out. And maybe in this conversation that Julie and Sean have not on screen, you know, maybe Sean starts to put some pieces together for Julie, like, oh, well, John, Sean, uh, Ben brought me over to a bank, you know, here's what happened there. So interesting. it would be I, nice I if assumed, they had that conversation off screen. Yeah, I assumed Julie didn't tell Sean because it's, it's kind of Ben's business, but um I don't know. Well, I think they're getting to a point where it's looking pretty serious to everybody. I would like mm-hmm. to think that at some point, you know, cause when they get to that point where everybody's looking for Ben yeah. and especially we've got that core of uh, Julie, Sean and Lynn who have like game planned where they're going to be. And they're starting to enlist other people to support them. I can't imagine that they wouldn't have had some comparing notes conversations like, oh, I saw Ben do this. I saw Ben do this. I was with Ben at the bank. And I think you can just have these little pieces that you put together and it's like, ah, we understand what's happening with Ben now, even though he didn't want to talk to any of us about it. 
um, we all saw pieces. Yeah, and I think Lynn's probably the most in the know here, right? Because yeah. um, we've got, you know, it, he confuses me a little bit because he was the one who said to Ben, you know, I'm not giving you more money, right? To mm-hmm. bet, which makes complete sense. But then when they're in the locker room together, he says, you know, do you need any help? And Ben says, no, I assume that meant financial help. And then Ben shows up at the bar and it's like, I mean, is this the only place you could get a beer? Or yeah. are you there to talk to Lynn? Um, and Lynn does what I think is the right thing. He says, you know, look, I've, I've been there. Like, you don't need to be embarrassed or whatever it is you are. Like, I've been there. Yeah. And then he pulls out his thesaurus that's in his brain. Mm-hmm. And his Barry comes up from behind, says, whoa, whoa, guys. This is a convivial atmosphere. Convivial environment. Environment. Mm-hmm. You have a convivial environment here. And so Ben says, fine, I'm going to control my temper. I'm going to try to get around this douche who I owe money to. Mm-hmm. And that is that is not working out. because This Barry guy's not get-aroundable? Nope. He's going to get in Ben's way? Nope. He is not going to let him go. And Ben pushes him. Which ben, to his credit, he didn't punch him. He didn't punch him. He did a he did a push that at first was just a casual push and then got a little more intentional yeah. in the middle of it. A little intense. It was a little I mean, intense. And this yeah. guy is now lying on the floor. Barry's lying on the floor and he goes to Lenny's like, where's your phone? And you know this is not gonna end well for Ben. I thought he was going to call the cops. I thought he was going to get him arrested and that's how he gets his money. That's not what happened. I don't know. Would a bookie do that? He's probably doing some stuff that's not stuff you want to call the cops about. That's fair. So he's, he's going to call his enforcers. Yes. Who are going to run into Ben on the street and have, you know, the quickest beat down in the history right? of the world. It was really, really <laughs> no, fast, but there were a lot of them. You know, there were several of them. There were three of them. Okay, there were and three. they're his frat bros. And I wrote that down. I have a quick beat down. Yeah, see? <laughs> it was I, so fast. It was fast, but maybe because it was times three. Um, no, imagine if it had been on. three times as long. I don't know. Uh, the other mm-hmm. thing about that scene for me so after the quickest beatdown in the history of beatdowns happens, Ben <laughs> falls to the street and it's like the cleanest street in all of New York. It's right. Like pristine and shiny. What happened? <laughs> what happened in this scene? I don't know. <laughs> They're like, we gotta make this happen like, quick. <laughs> yeah, it's like almost like it didn't happen in New York. I'm um, telling you. <laughs> I was like, you could eat off of those streets. <laughs> You could see that shining. Yeah, they were shining. They were literally glistening. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. So two things about that scene that didn't quite add up. <laughs> the quickness of the beatdown and the shininess yep. of the street. Guys, yep. what happened? What happened? And <laughs> this is not rock bottom, but it is. Yeah. But I will say right before that, I also think something else weird happened. 
because, okay, so Lynn overhears Barry saying he's going to call his frat buddies, right? Uh-huh. And they're going to go find Ben and do something. And so he tells Julie, uh-huh. right? And Julie gets really worried. And she's like, all right, I've got this, you know, big enforcer boyfriend athlete. And I've got, you know, Lynn over here, also big athlete. And I'm really worried because these big guys are going to come and beat up these big men. So who should I call to help? Mm -hmm. And her choice was Felicity. Yeah. Well, who else? Who else is she going to call? Sean, Noel, the cops. But Sean Sean already was in... um, Sean was already part, like Sean and Lynn, I think had already positioned themselves. So Julie had a different role. She was like the, the, the person, the street team, just like looking out for where Ben might be. I think, yeah, she could have talked to Noel, but ultimately talking to Felicity will bring Noel in. Right. Because yes. Felicity's not going to And I thought that herself. was a good move. Good move on Felicity's part. Bring in another big guy. But I just, I hear this call from Julie to Felicity and I'm like, what do you think Felicity's going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, even if she finds Ben, like, what, what's she going to do? Mm. Yeah. So a good amount of time elapses with Ben yeah. gone. Was it yeah. a full 24 hours? I think so. It was, so it was like um, he was there at night. And then when we hear next, it's 7 a.m. and they still haven't heard from him. But when he knocks on Felicity's door, it's nighttime. So probably 24 hours later and Julie had called the cops and I think they told her what, 48 hours for a missing person. So it hasn't been enough time for him to be declared a missing person, but I'm guessing a a good 24 hours passed. By the way, in that time, Felicity's leaving yet another tape for Sally. Hey, Sally, oh, where are you? Sally, can you hear me? Like, I have no <laughs> idea where Sally is anymore. She's getting tapes and they're piling up at the door. <laughs> like, Sally, where are you when we need you? Her um, and Emmett are on the longest honeymoon ever. Gosh, yeah. So there's that. And um, okay, so we're half doing this device still. Great. And <laughs> it doesn't bother Melissa at doesn't all. Doesn't even a little bit register for me. <laughs> I've not mentioned it in a single podcast. Um, so, but then we have, I think, I don't know. I, I really appreciate the scene where Ben finally asks somebody fully for help, like emotionally gets support from somebody. Um, and that he's decided it's going to be Felicity. She gets a knock on her door in the middle of the night. And it's Ben looking pretty beat up. And I feel like with him, I don't know what made him decide to come to Felicity in this moment, but I think it's important and notable that that is his decision. Yeah. Um, I think there's two things that I was I was picking up on. The first is that he's treated other people badly. 
mm-hmm. you know, other than Noel and Elena, I'm who are looking for him. You know, he has, he's not been good to Julie. He's got the whole embarrassment thing with the loan and Sean, and he hasn't been paying him rent. And then Lynn, I mean, Lynn did kind of get him into this, but, you know, he's certainly not treating him well. And so I think he wanted somewhere, you know, where, and he wanted a person that he didn't feel like he had hurt in this process. Uh And yes, Felicity had been looking for him, but, you know, he didn't even think those other people were looking for him because had he done this and his parents knew about it, probably not looking for him, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the other thing that I notice, and I, I'm with you on this, where I, I'm not 100% sure where this comes from. Maybe a little bit of, like, she stalked him and he was cool about it. Maybe a little bit of, they got mugged together, but Hmm. I feel like he thinks it's okay to be vulnerable around her. Uh It might be her awkwardness. Um, I don't know what it is. That's really interesting. I hadn't even thought about the last time he had something like this happen to him was when they had gotten mugged together. And he, his coping mechanism at that point was to come to her, to her dorm in the middle of the night. Yep. And talk and, with her. And I feel like she is his safe space. Mm-hmm. She is comforting to him. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about her. I don't know if it is situational or if it's just something about her. But I kind of feel like part of it is that it's just something about her, but that I, I think that the situational aspect also just came to my mind when you were talking where, yeah, yeah, she, he's had that experience of going to her in the past when he felt vulnerable, but she is like this, this is where I think those early episodes of the show are deceptive and that you think that he's just a guy who can be open and have these speeches and, and big revelatory moments because he's doing that with her in the early episodes And then you start to see more of season one, Ben, and it's like, oh, he can't do that with everybody. He's not doing that with everybody. He's, it's very rare for him to have these long speech moments where he's revealing a lot about himself. He said so much about himself to her in this scene. I don't know if she knew all this before or if he's said other things to other people like, like this, but he said some major stuff. He feels like he's turning into his dad. He's just a guy who gets into a fight every time he gets pissed off. This is huge. Then he tells her, my mom and dad are not together anymore. My mom left my dad and I want her to be happy. And I feel like her knowing about all this wouldn't make her happy. My gosh, like he's saying so much stuff to her right now. Yeah. And, you know, just put a couple of fine points on that one was he, he can't tell his mom because he wants to let her be happy for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. And I've screwed up her life enough. Yeah. 
Yeah. This is a lot for Felicity to take in. I'm assuming this is the first time she's heard this stuff from him. We haven't heard him talk. I mean, the only time he's mentioned that his parents split up was in the documentary episode where he casually mentions it to Sean and Sean's like, I didn't even know about this. And he doesn't go into detail in it when he's being interviewed. He's just like, it happened. And so now we're getting a lot of Ben's inner thought process about it. Um, He's seeing patterns in his life that are starting to look like his dad's patterns and it worries him. And he doesn't want to bother his mom with it because she doesn't need another version of his dad running around and, you you know, bringing her down. And he's got all this in his head, you know, like it just breaks my heart, this scene. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very interesting to, to see him come and just completely open up to her. Um, he's got a lot going on and I, I, I don't know what to do with the ending of this because. Well, one thing I want to say before we get to the ending though, because her bit, like if you're Felicity in this situation, what do you say? But the main thing she gets across to him in a fairly short scene is, can you really not talk to your mom though? Like she is your mom. Maybe you should let your mom be your mom. Maybe you should let her worry about you. This is a worrying situation. That's her job. Um, she puts that out there, uh, you know, I don't know what she was supposed to say, but he takes it in. Well, see, that's the part that I'm, I'm not sure what to do with Mm -hmm. because like, you know, Felicity and Ben have just had different lives. Right. Mm -hmm. And so her reaction is, you know, let her worry about you. Like, it's not such a bad thing. Let her be your mom. Let her take care of you. Mm-hmm. And he just says, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Because as we know, his mom has not supported him his whole life. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, she stayed with a guy who was physically abusing her and him. Mm-hmm. You know, he has been protective over his mother he feels like he screwed up her life yeah you know so so when felicity says it's not a bad thing like let your mom take care of you i don't understand why he does take that in to me everything he has set up to this point that would be the like the opposite of what he would want to do he's not going to believe that one, she will take care of him, and two, she should take care of him. Mm-hmm. So for, for him then to take that in and, and as we move towards the end, you know, do his nice slow-mo walk down the hall, really like the music there. Yeah, that was, um, that was from a group called Hank Dogs. It's called Let Go. What a beautiful song that is for that scene amazing that That was perfect that was wonderful um and for him to walk into that room and maybe this is part of it he walks into the room and he sees three people waiting for him 
just looking like they've been up all night. Julie's wearing the same shirt that she was a day earlier. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> yes. I noticed this because I remember the shirt from the slow-mo scene. And then I noticed in this episode, oh, she's wearing it before he disappears. Nice. Now I know it's not credible what I just said. <laughs> all right. So folks, you can, you can watch it back. I encourage you to watch it back and test me on this, but I am almost certain she's wearing, she has not changed shirts in a day because she's just been so worried. And you just see them all. They're just like, they look like they've got phones next to them. They've been up all night and now they're passed out. And Julie's the first one who notices when he walks in. I think, I think, um, you know, this is probably an important thing for him to see on the back of Felicity's advice because, okay, why would he think his mom would be able to help or would help him? Well, he just told himself all these stories about why the three people in this room would never want to be there for him, would not want to help him, would not even want to hear from him. Mm -hmm. And he walks into a room and that is totally disrupted. He sees the evidence that these three people have been doing nothing but looking for him for the last few days or the last day. Um, And and it's like, oh, okay, wait. So I, that whole thing I said to myself, that wasn't real. Here they are on the couch. And so they're not angry. Yeah. Like the only thing they want to do, I mean, Julie gets up and hugs him. Yeah. And, you know, he's, I don't know if he was going to shake hands and go into a bro hug, but like everyone there clearly cares about him. Yeah. And is there for him. And when we get to the end, he's laying on his bed and he seems to be in thought. And maybe this is what he's thinking about. He's thinking about what Felicity said, and he's thinking about these people who who do care about him. And and he does give his mom a call and he is honest with her. And I I hope for both of their sake that she is able to help him out or at the very least like emotionally be there for him Uh um because this is a this is a big moment for him yeah so this is going to take me into uh yes i think it's a very big moment and i think it's very important and i like it except i have an award I have two awards, really. I'm going to circle back to something that I missed the award for earlier, getting beat up on the cleanest street, cleanest street to get beat up on. That's an award. (laughs) But But also just the street part, not also how fast Just the street. Yeah. The cleanest street to get beat up on award happened in this episode. Also in this moment, most inappropriate long silence on the phone. Okay. This kills me. Absolutely kills me with this scene because he picks up the phone. He calls his mom. She's like, how's it going, Ben? Why are you calling me in the middle of the night? Or whatever he, whatever he's called her. And (laughs) he's like, not so good, mom. Why is it that she didn't immediately say, tell me about you and have him talk through the, the rest of the close of the episode? He, after saying not so good, mom, is silent all the way through when we fade out. What did his mom need to tell him that was so much more important than finding out what was going on for him? I mean, she could, 
maybe she was still asleep or mom's go to bed early. Maybe I don't she, know. I don't like know. if, if I call you, I'm like fish, it's me. And you're like, how are you? I'm like, not great. Would you then go on like a 30 second to a minute, at least explanation of your day? <laughs> or <laughs> would you be like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The person answer the question. What's going on in the world? Yeah, I think there'd probably be like, a, oh, no, what's going on? Yeah. Um, Ben is in listening mode. Yeah. When we close out. Well, okay. So here's the thing. It could have been his mom just, you know, yammering. Mm -hmm. Or she could have gone, oh, no, what's wrong? And Ben could have just been sitting there. Could have been. Could have been. I guess it could have also been, hold on, let me get to another room where I can have a more private conversation with you. In which case you would have heard him say something like, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, we, we understand how conversation works. That's the thing about the end of this episode. Um, why, why? Uh, so longest silence inappropriately on the phone award for this episode. All right. For sure. Also, now that I'm thinking about it, cause I was, I was trying to look for some of the, um, the if, if there were style points about this episode that were similar to the Thanksgiving one. And when I think about it, that slow-mo bit when Ben comes back to the apartment and we hear yeah. that beautiful song playing, that is kind of like how they closed out the Thanksgiving episode too. Yeah. So I guess that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh yeah, I do I definitely see some similarities. Mm-hmm. Well, there was, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've got any other things to say about Ben. <sighs> you know, I, as I said, this, this is, I think a really big moment for him and I hope for the best, but I will I say that this is his rock bottom. Okay. Because, you know, <laughs> they always say, like, you can't get help until you hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the second thing that that people say is, you know, you never hit rock bottom until you choose to get help because you can always keep digging. Well, so... he's asked for help now. Um, and to your questions, his calling his mom will be effective. Good. I mean, that's really good. And I hope that he does have a, a, maybe some more conversations and sort of gets around this whole, I screwed up her life enough stuff. Um, Well, we're not really going to, we are going to meet his mom and his dad later in the series, but it's not going to be this season. So they kind of tie this up with a bit of a bow probably in the next episode, to be honest, um, where it's just like, he called his mom. That was the move. 
And we're going to come back where he's got some solutions now. And they're not going to linger very long at this point in time in in all the things he said. But they are going to explore that later in the series. Okay. So you'll get what you want. It's just going to take a little time for them to get there because they had some other stuff they wanted to accomplish with these last couple episodes. And I also think, you know, he's he's away from them now mm-hmm. and he's learning that he can depend on other people. Um, I think one thing to, that I'm going to continue looking for is in these later episodes, now that he has kind of seen that, Hey, it's not his fault that his dad is a raging alcoholic and an asshole Mm -hmm. and hey there are people around me who care about me and will help me um you know i hope again i think it's going to be interesting to see him back together with his parents and see you know maybe his self-worth goes up or maybe he he needs to figure out how to put those, you know, protections in for himself when he's around the people that he did grow up with that do seem more than a little toxic. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, because I think this is an experience that people have when they go away to college. You've got one set of things when you're growing up, and that is your whole life, mm-hmm. right? And then you learn different things <laughs> when yeah. you're at college. And then you you know either over the summer or maybe even just at holidays if you like work or find something else to do over the summer or winter breaks or whatever you're put back in this other situation yep um mm-hmm. and trying to figure that out is it's a little tricky i'm here to co-sign what you just said <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate it fully i'll co-sign it and yeah, you know, my name's on it, the today's yep. date, all whatever you need. I'm here for you. <laughs> and the bank manager can take that because the two of us have plenty of assets. In That's the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do think uh this before we move on to Elena, I think this is a good time for me to weave in my note from an optimist, Ooh, which yeah. is just putting a finer point on the asking for help thing. I think. It's something that I, especially earlier in my life, had a hard time doing. And I think it can take, if you're somebody who is, who's, who is struggles to do it. If you're somebody who really uh, struggles under the weight of trying to deal with your problems alone, asking for help is a very difficult, but brave thing to do. And it can be the most sensible solution (laughs) at times. I mean, if you can, if you can get there, you know, hopefully you have a good experience with the person that you asked for help that first time you do it. And it, you know, sometimes people just want to help. So it can bring a relationship closer. I mean, if that's the foundation of a relationship that can be tricky, you know, you don't want something codependent either, but asking for help when you're somebody who just constantly struggles under the weight of trying to do everything on your own. And you really could have used, you know, somebody else being involved could have made life a whole lot easier. It takes a certain courage to do it. And, you know, I hope the people who do it have a good experience with it. 
And I would say I have my normal reaction to that. Uh-huh. Which is to pan everything I've said and find a <laughs> qualification for it. Definitely say that I agree. It's a good thing to ask for help. It's a life skill and it is brave. But I, I would say what I would be asking for is, again, kind of emotional intelligence and uh, some patience and sort of wisdom that comes with asking the right people and an amount mm-hmm. of resilience in the face of asking people and not getting it because it uh, happens. It happens with family. It happens with friends. It happens with strangers. It happens in the workplace where you might be opening up, asking for help, really needing it. And it just doesn't come through and it actually ends up making everything worse. Ah, I'm just speaking from experience here. So it's like some experiences like that too, but I think, you know, Hey, I'm your optimist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this segment, this segment. Um, well, it's good. Melissa says (laughs) ask for help. And I say, yes, ask for help but responsibly but yes exactly yeah but but have some caution i feel like that's actually always how it goes with this segment i'm like do the thing and you're like do the thing responsibly (laughs) 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 let's just see if that keeps bearing out over time Mm -hmm. which makes sense because you're the optimist you're like it's gonna turn out great i'm the cynic i'm like it does not always turn out great So. It doesn't always turn out great, but I think sometimes when it doesn't turn out great, you then have some real point of character to assess <laughs> those people in your life. That I think it gets you to a point where you get a much better sense of who you can count on and who you can't. Yes, that um, is absolutely true. I, But I will say sometimes by the time you figure that out, the, some bad stuff has happened, like you lose your job. So (laughs) could happen, could happen. Well, hey, you know, this was, uh, this was another, you're optimist and you're cynic. (laughs) (laughs) I just went ahead and made up that little theme song. Um, Gosh, shall we talk about, we're going, we're probably going for our longest runtime ever, but let's jump in Mm. and talk about Elena and McGrath. All right, let's do it. Um, So I gave out my award earlier but since you took two i kind of want to take my second one okay uh and my award goes to dr mcgrath for the worst come online ever okay uh so we get elena and mcgrath and uh he's having a bad day and she's there to you know turn in her Her outline outline that's what it was um and he just sits down and does a ben hand on face thing and she is way too eager Uh to be like can i help with something and and mcgrath he says something like well if you don't mind working evenings yeah maybe we can work out something for extra credit yeah and i just wrote 
Ew. Yeah, that was something, huh? Because, you know, his assistant's out and things are piling up. It's a mess. He's another guy with a mess at the start of this episode. And Elena, you know, she's going to jump in. She's going to assist him in the evenings. She doesn't even need extra credit. She It would just be a great learning experience for her, she says. I don't think he is a mess. I think this, I think he is gaslighting her this mm. whole time. He is seducing her the way he does everyone else or all the other, I don't know. Is his assistant the same girl that was talking to Elena and Felicity a few episodes ago? Is that Stephanie? No. Okay. You mean so, the person they sat down with? Yes. No, that was Sabrina, somebody who had actually taken her class. So I think something that's going to come out later is that um, McGrath is lying about something in this episode, but not necessarily about his assistant. No, he's definitely lying about his ex-wife. Yeah. No kidding. And Um, this is what I was talking about earlier, where it's like, you know, she can't smell the BS when it's coming towards her. Yeah. Anyway. All right. We can go in order. We can go in order. Well, I think it's good that you're picking up on these things. I wasn't sure how much of this would register for you, but it is interesting to see the conversation that Elena has with Felicity just briefly when they're, when they're at Dean and DeLuca Um, before Danny, Elena starts commenting about Danny, she's in the middle of telling Felicity about, you know, you saw the graph, you looked really upset and Felicity responds and like, it, it shows you exactly the difference in their mindsets about this guy. Felicity's like, yeah, he probably just read my paper. You know, she's so, I think she was kidding. I mean, I thought, I thought that was a joke. I, I think McGrath is her teacher. He's her professor. And she thinks of him in a teacher student way. And I don't know to what extent Elena has actually confided anything about any thoughts she has about McGrath other than him being a teacher. I think the extent has been during that sit down conversation where she said he was good looking. Yeah. I, I feel like Felicity is too wholesome looking at this situation (laughs) you know like i don't i don't think i don't think it's on her radar at all i absolutely agree and so when she says oh like he's probably he probably read my paper like felicity's out of her depth right now (laughs) i I don't know (laughs) yeah i don't think she sees him as a person yeah like he's a teacher he's not real yeah um but elena's Lena's, you know, that's yeah. primarily how she sees him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that. Well, um, more so than being her teacher. Wait, that Elena oh. primarily sees her as yeah. Sees yeah. him as being her teacher? No, that Elena primarily sees him as being a person and not her oh, teacher. Yes. Yes. Okay. I agree with that. But I mean, Um, I guess her way of getting closer to him is like, so she's going to do this assistant work in the evening. She's basically, first of all, 
how annoyed would you be if you were Stephanie and you came back and somebody's created like all these systems in your absence? Like, oh, oh. this other whippersnapper came in and created whole filing systems for you to figure out. Damn you. I have a feeling if Stephanie's been around, she gets it. Yeah. But uh, but Alina's Probably. super organized. She's super efficient. She's just creating all this stuff, a new filing system, stuff on the internet that McGrath just says, you know, I like to, to go old school. Mm-hmm. And then comes just like a giant, a giant bowl full of crap. Oh. Um, yes, that is, that is what I'm going with. Uh, yeah, he, so Elena gives him the stuff. She's way too thirsty. We get it. And he just starts looking at her and he's like, you know, you, you seem a little older. Did you take some time off? And, and she shares, you know, something vulnerable and personal to her, which she absolutely should not have done. Mm -hmm. You know, she says, my mom died of cancer when I was young and I had to grow up fast. Mm -hmm. And, oh, look how convenient the reason mcgrath was so upset is because his ex-wife has lymphoma Mm -hmm. and i just wrote here exactly what elena said to felicity he's working you Mm -hmm. like giant giant bowl full of crap that's my assessment well (laughs) Your assessment is going to bear out. I mean, well, we don't, we're not going to like get into it, but there is going to be a comment from another character later on in the series that confirms what you're saying. So I, it seemed pretty obvious. Yeah. Well, you know, for some of us, you know, like (laughs) Danny and Abby wasn't so obvious. Um, But yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you're, you're picking things like that up here and then you know that brings us to we have a bunch of little scenes with them because you're getting a Mm -hmm. sense that she's been doing this work quite a few evenings Mm -hmm. and so the next time we see them they're having this like flirty conversation about charlie parker that's right and And then talking about jazz now this is Mm -hmm. not about work this is about jazz i mean i do agree not a big charlie parker fan um, just one more reason that McGrath is just wrong. Yeah. And then there, that conversation is interrupted by a call from his daughter who wants her present and she wants it now. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of conversation was that? And then, well, and then he has to like explain know. it to Elena sneaking casually out of the room, figuring, oh, this is a personal conversation he's having with family. And he's like, oh, do you want to see it? It was my daughter. She wants a present. She's You've seen this way too many times because... I didn't know it was his daughter and neither did Elena. And I assumed it was a a girlfriend. Well, he tells her it was the daughter. Right. But I'm saying my assumption, I think was similar to Elena's assumption that it was a girlfriend, not Uh a family member, because she starts slinking out of the room like, ooh, I've been thinking X, Y, Z about this guy and he's with somebody. Uh Like that was the the vibe that I got from her, because when he says it's his daughter, all of a sudden she's got a smile, her eyes light up. 
Um, I don't know the tone on his voice, the way he said "sweetheart." But then, why the it sounded like smile? he was talking to a younger like person? Yeah, but then why the huge smile with her eyes lighting up? I mean, yeah. Elena's whole face changes the second he says "daughter." She's like, "Oh, yeah, daughter." Oh, how old is she? And like, she's ready to stay and talk again. Yeah. And then she asks him out. Mm-hmm. She or asks like, him if he wants didn't... to go to dinner sometime. And he's like, oh, I don't know how good an idea that is. I don't know. I don't know. And then Bullshit. later he'll be like, yeah, 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 that's fine. I thought about it. We're good. Yeah. I like, don't... all my reservations are cleared up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. First of all, I doubt this is his daughter. Uh I mean, it could be, I guess, but like it just as well could be another woman. Uh And he absolutely wanted to go out to dinner with her and was planning on it. This is just what he does. He makes it their idea. Wow. And then he turn and he like, you know, is reluctant at first so that he can then later say, well, she came on to me. Yeah. And. I have a feeling that that's what exactly what's going to happen to Elena is going to be like, she came on to me. She was the one who asked me out. She was pursuing me. And, you know, I apologize for this expression for you, Melissa, but what I wrote down was, and still feel was gag me with a fork. Yeah. Like, Oh, goodness, boy, you aren't buying a bit of McGrath. You I have can seen through this smell man. that for miles. I can smell it through the television. Oof. And it smells like some big old bull crap. Well, some of the things that you are positing will bear out. Some will never will never get information about it either way. But I think you know, the picture that you think they're painting is probably pretty close to the picture that they're painting. So if all the details are exact, I don't know, but uh, I think you've assessed his character accurately. Yeah, I had, let's see, what was it? My, was it my freshman year? Yeah, it must have been my freshman year. The, the biology we had in one year, the sophomore biology teacher was fired. There, there were three separate uh, sophomore biology teachers, each one fired that year for either hooking up with or coming on to a student. Ooh. And uh, definitely, I, I'll say never was completely confirmed, but was pretty confirmed that a water polo coach and someone on the team hooked up. Mm. Uh, Like this stuff just, I mean, it happened so, and this was high school. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine like how often this happens in college. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Uh, it's just gross. And then I had another teacher who ended up coming on to a friend of mine and, and it was very like confusing. It it was like a whole thing. (sighs) This stuff was just never on my radar. So I I don't really have stories to share with you. I did find out like maybe 
10 years after graduating from high school, I caught up with an old teacher of mine that I always used to love. And she, she was like telling me about what it was like to still be a teacher at that point and how students change. But then she told me gossip that I never knew about how one of the, one of the boys who was my year at, in high school had like a serious relationship, relationship going with one of the teachers. And like, they were, I don't know that they had gone to a school dance together, but when at the dance appeared to be together Mm. and it was like a big point of discussion for all the teachers. And I was like, I was never even at those dances. (laughs) Like like I had (laughs) no idea any of this stuff existed. So probably I came across a lot of it and just have no idea. Yeah. And I mean, in college, uh, my senior year. So I think I probably told you about it at the time. And if you came, I don't don't know if you came to our our game senior year, but you would have met him. Um, the guy who came on to be our coach senior year, I guess had gotten fired from his last job, which was coaching a friend of mine from high school at her college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, he got fired for some other reason, like letting the team drink in the airport or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he also was in a relationship with one of the girls on the team. And when he came, to our our college uh he brought her with him and had her working out with us and i guess by that point they were engaged right so i don't know i've just had way too much experience with this to take any kind of crap yeah okay well we're not having it we're not having it mcgrath nope nope Well, I think that we've covered a whole lot of ground here in the actual episode. So I'm curious, do we have anything in the, what the club did they say segment? We do. Awesome. For those of you who are wondering what happened to the Sally tapes, we don't know either. (laughs) This is our new segment. And again, it doesn't bother (laughs) Melissa. Not one little bit. Yeah. Uh, talk to us, Fish. What do you got here? So, yes, we have uh, a scene that we've already been talking about between McGrath and Elena, and then a little commentary on that scene by Felicity. So, it starts out with Elena saying, Is there anything I can do to help? And McGrath, Well, if you're available evenings, I could use a maybe we can work something out with extra credit. Oh, you don't have to do that. It would be a great learning experience, and I loved Oh. Yep. And then Felicity later making a comment. I can't believe you're with McGrath. That's, oh. That's not intimidating. Wow. So I feel like that uh that really did Ooh, true to form. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's kind of what was going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, <laughs> it's an accurate clubbing. 
Boy, I mean, it's not what was said. Necessary censorship, possibly. Yeah, it's not what was said, but it 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 could have been, could have been what was said. September. Well, let's talk about some listener feedback. We got some really cool feedback from we've we have posed some questions in various podcasts up until this point, and we have a listener at Kalinsky underscore on Instagram who is just catching up on some of the past episodes and came in with answers, came in hot with some really good answers. And I'm excited about it. So I'm going to give two different ones. We appreciate it. At Galinsky underscore, you're amazing. We heart you. Amazing. Yeah. Um, So the first question that was answered, and I'm not even sure how to do this in the right way, but um, Golinski said, I am behind. So just listening now, this is the name of the website that Noel and Todd were talking about. I believe it was a real website at the time. Don't know if it was the same one. And the show writers were tongue in cheek referencing it. So what at Golinski is talking about is in the episode, I think it was Todd Mulcahy part one, where Todd is talking to Noel and he says something about a website and he's and he's calling it the contemptuous, sardonic, and then he trails off and he doesn't finish it. Well, it turns out the actual title was the contemptuous, sardonic, Felicity Watchers Society, yippee-dee-doo. <laughs> and so I guess that was a website that had been up and running for, I don't know, the whole show to that point or when, I don't know when it was started. And a Felicity fan just started maintaining this irreverent site. It has a drinking game. It has stuff about Megan. It's got a soundtrack. It's got soundtrack premiere party picks. It's got, um, it had a message board, which isn't still active. It had an episode guide where after every episode, basically it was like a blog where this person had um, just different themes of things that they looked for in every episode. A lot of the takes are quite similar to some of the things we've said so i think we would have really and enjoyed by this we by we she means me <laughs> there yeah it's a lot about sweaters it's a lot of sweater stuff it's yeah. a lot of sweater talk actual uh, sweater I mean, counts per episode there are yeah i mean it is called the sardonic you know contemptuous oh, so yeah contemptuous and sardonic i mean that that's kind of my wheelhouse there you have it what's amazing to me so we're gonna have to somehow drop the link of this maybe in the show notes i don't know i think we'll we can put it, put it can, can we put it um we can definitely put it in the instagram? show notes because everybody will be able to see that if they're listening to this and we can try to put it on instagram too but you can't click links on instagram so huh, that's, that's okay but i copied and pasted it i did the same thing um, what I will say is amazing is that this, so this was, this website was last updated February 9th, 2000, and it's still, you can still find it. So yes. I, you know, is this the original one? I don't know, but this person obviously wants this to still be around. And, you know, the, it was mentioned in an actual episode of Felicity, so I mean, it's pretty, it's a pretty awesome website. So I would definitely recommend going to it. I haven't seen all of it. I haven't been through all of it, but my favorite part so far, there is an entire like page of things that could be in Megan's box. Mm-hmm. 
amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. I mean, huge shout out to whoever created and maintained this page. So And for Galinsky to for bringing it to us. Just yeah, because I don't know how we ever would have found that if not for somebody no. who was looking at this stuff at the time, actually bringing it to our attention. So this has created joy in my life. You have brought me, joy to my life. It makes me feel like anything is possible. Somebody created this. <laughs> Every yeah. week they just like sat down and like, what should I say about Felicity this week? And then yeah. the show mentions it. And then they got picked up in some other sources. It's a hero's story for and me. Until today, because it's copyrighted as of 1998. So it's been around over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And... If we remember from uh, the episode where Megan, Megan's parents came and I had said how much I loved that fur outfit that she was wearing uh -huh. on the Megan page, there's a picture, one picture of Megan and it's that outfit. I mean, yeah. I don't know who these people are, but I feel like it might, might've been me. Yeah. And I mean, I this just is don't just remember it. a gift. We've been given a gift. I guess. Uh, far later than this person thought that gift was going to be given but here it is <laughs> and we're here to pass it along to you but that's not the only time at galinsky underscore was a hero for us so also regarding the russian versus estonian debate if you remember from back in the episode where noel had to go get vending machines and he had to do, go to senses and eat a lot of sausage and drink a bunch of bunch of vodka um and we were trying to figure out what are these where are these people from and uh and these people had ultimately brought estonian chocolate to a party so we've had this debate that we've been trying to figure out so uh excellency underscore says read the russian versus estonian debate back at this point it was just 10 years after the, the dissolution of the ussr if this family is actually Estonian, they still might speak Russian as all former Soviet states did. I'm from Ukraine, but grew up speaking Russian only, which for me, I think that does put this in some context. It makes me think they're Estonian. Yeah. And we had at, at the last time we discussed this, decided that um, because the language was different, that they in fact were Russian and just really liked Estonian chocolate. And this just has blown that whole just, argument out of the water. Just blew it out of the water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that argument. If you're like, where's that argument? Blown out of the water. That's where it is. Yeah. That's, I mean, and, and that was my argument. So um, my bad. Uh, they very well could, could be Estonian. Uh, we don't know. It is still a mystery. Sure, but so, this is a very plausible argument. So absolutely, I feel you know. In your case, at Galinsky underscore, we both gave and took it away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy with all of it. I, you know, we 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 had questions. We got answers. That's what we got. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we want when we ask these questions. Yeah. Um. So you know. We are deeply appreciative and maybe we'll continue to have this, uh, this discussion um, for years to come. Russian, maybe. Estonian, because you do realize your entire, your entire argument. Is that there was uh, Estonian chocolate? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's my only argument. That's it. Like That's it. they are Estonian because of the chocolate. And I'm not saying it's a bad 
argument because they do specifically call out Estonia. Yeah. Um, but it is just based on chocolate. It's so, only based on chocolate, but I find the best arguments are. That is true. Try to prove that it is, wrong. No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Fully on board with you there. So yeah. um, I'm saying. If anyone else has any other insight, uh, please let us know. Well, Otherwise, and I'll tell you how you can let us know. Continue. You can yes. send us your feedback, your questions, your answers, or pulls the artwork, whatever you want to send us, send it to us at the Melissafish at gmail.com. It's Melissa with one L, two S's, the Melissafish at gmail.com. And while we're talking about it, where else can you find us? You can find us on Instagram at Felicity Podcast. And if you wanted to be updated when we drop new episodes of our podcast, you can check out, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter. The link for that is in the show notes. So I thought I'd do a little bit of that housekeeping when it came up. Yep. And before we move on to our ratings, I just wanted to give a shout out here to uh, at Felicity Restoration Project on Instagram. Uh, he provided us uh, the scene from scene one where Ben comes in and, sorry, from season one, where Ben comes in and has uh, the discussion with Julie in Drawing the Line Part One, mm-hmm. where he says, you know, this is what my family was like. You know, I realized once I got some space, it was not my fault how my father was acting. You know, he and we um, talked a lot about how he was sharing his own story and he wasn't telling her what to do. Mm-hmm. And after that, you know, it kind of gives her the the motivation maybe or the courage or maybe has some effect on her going to report her rape mm-hmm. and and he has restored the original music and i i do feel like that scene as we saw it there was a lot of emphasis on ben and ben's role mm-hmm. in what julie eventually did and this music completely just shifted that like a 180 for me because Mm -hmm. when Ben stops talking, Kate Bush comes on with this song called this woman's work. And so everything that you see that Julie does after the conversation with Ben, where she's alone, she's thinking, you know, she's uh, putting her coat on, she's picking her bag up. She's walking out the door. She's going to um, the health services where there's another woman there. The background to all of that is this song about like, this is, is, this is what women are doing. This is, you know, us taking kind of control of a situation or taking like, working on a situation and it completely changes the focus back to Julie where Hmm. it should be and her autonomy within this scene. And so I feel like that original music choice was so important for this scene. And I just wonder, you know, how many other scenes are there out there 
that I would just have a complete 180 mm-hmm. if I heard the original music. I guess we'll find out. I mean, whenever we can get yeah. <laughs> the DVDs from Felicity Restoration Project, uh, I'm doing that and I'm going to rewatch it uh, again. Yeah. So um, just a big shout out, a big thank you for all the work you were doing. And um, just wanted to share this, you know, this amazing scene, this amazing song. Um that, that really changed my view of a very important episode. Yeah, I want to echo that. Thank you. And who knows what sort of context we missed out on by seeing. I mean, I'm so used to seeing these episodes from the DVDs that I that's the music that I know. And sometimes I find like the original stuff lands better if I can get access to it. Um, every now and then I like something from the DVD more, but I think uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see what the original intention was. I, I think that there was a lot of music that was like used on both Dawson's Creek and Felicity around the same time, because, you know, the network licensed the song or got the license to the song and just used it everywhere. And so I think there was a little bit of that at play in the original broadcasts. But some sometimes it puts really important context to the scene as it was originally written. Absolutely. But let's give our ratings for yeah, the this I'm, episode. What did you think? Well, I I think you should go first. Okay. All right. You're throwing it back to me, and I'm okay with that. So. <laughs> This episode, my unit of measurement is going to be convivial environments. (laughs) Yes. Yay. I'm very happy with that. Mm. And let's see. I wasn't really sure about where I was going to put this one, but I think my final landing place is going to be a 7.8 convivial environments. Now, I say that feeling that, uh, you know, I've been saying for a while, I think the back third of this season is incredibly strong. Pretty much everything after love and marriage through the end, I think is very strong. So for me, uh, I'm more than happy if you were to plot me into any part of any season and have me watch it, you know, a bunch of episodes. I'd love for it to be this part of the season. Uh, um, this one has, hmm. What do I think about this one? I think that it's got, it does a surprising amount of things on the surface. You think this is going to be a Ben centric episode and it is, but then when you actually look at how much other stuff is happening here, you realize, Oh, they did a lot. They did a lot of stuff. Um, there are a couple things that they did that were a little sloppy. Obviously I'm going to ding it a little bit for the tape to Sally, but not the tape from Sally. I'm going to ding it a little bit for the incredibly long silence on the phone at the end of the episode where Ben should have been talking. Um, I'm also, you know, the, the Danny bit is. Yeah. I was going to say, did it change your rating? Um, it, it honestly, it didn't in the end. It, if anything, I feel like working out my thoughts about this with you in the beginning about how they needed something light. They had nothing else light to offer with where the other characters were. <laughs> and they just decided we're going to throw this guy in here. And 
it's very random for me. And I think it might be landing for me in the way that the, um, the story stuff landed for you in drawing the line part two. Okay. Yep. Where they had a really serious episode on their hands with some very deep, important, um, had some deep, important topics, dark stuff, Ben at, you know, his rock bottom point. And then they had nowhere else to bring levity. So they bring this guy in and it's the story they told us with Danny and I guess Abby now has a certain cohesion to it and it is a story to itself and it's funny, but where did this come from? <laughs> and, and honestly, where is it going? Cause it's not really going anywhere. And the, I guess I'm feeling, I guess this lands harder for me than the story stuff did in that episode for you. So I don't know. They tried. It's interesting. It's got its comedy moments. And I guess I see how if you're looking at everything that Danny does and you're seeing it as he's playing you and then you look at McGrath and you think that he's playing Elena, I think that there's a relationship there. But yeah, it didn't really work. So I think, you know, I, but I love the stuff that they did with Ben for the most part. And I really appreciate that scene that he has with Felicity at the end. And I love that musical choice at the end of the episode. So there's a lot of things that are strong about it. And that's where I am. 7.8 convivial environments. Right. Where are you with this one? I am up at an 8.5. Okay. Um, I also really loved what they did with Ben. Hmm. And as much as I think there was so much bull crap, I also do like how they set up the stuff with Elena and McGrath. I also love the idea of bagel knobs. Hmm. Um absolutely love the bagel knobs and i love shirtless richard bonding with noel mm-hmm. i just i thought that was hilarious yeah. um and i loved i loved all the people that came together around ben and as you said that not just the last scene but i i loved the or the conversation um, with Felicity, but I also loved, you know, how how Ben comes in and and sees everyone, and you know, does does actually call his mom. I think, you know, it doesn't get above that because I didn't buy, I didn't buy the you know Barry the bookie, I didn't buy the quickest beat down in the world <laughs> on, the, on the cleanest street in the universe, on the cleanest street in the universe. At least New York. Yeah. Like this does not hit me as like a real rock bottom. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ben has looked worse after fights he started. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just, I, yeah, I don't buy it as a rock bottom. Okay. Um, but if it is good for him, 
and you know and you told me it was so i guess good good for him <laughs> but that whole part of it i feel was not very convincing um, i do think that there are going to be things that he's he will continue to struggle with to a degree but i think that when we when it comes to like the gambling stuff um you know there's just a certain desperate point that they got him to with all of that that they're not going to sustain yeah I mean, had he started stealing stuff, had he started like dealing drugs or become a gigolo, I mean, I feel like that's not as family friendly. Um, That's that's not the place they took this. He will continue to unpack things around his parents. That's still for the taking. So when I say, you know, I guess, you know, you can have darker moments with some of that stuff still to come but you know the gambling bit he's just at a level that's going to be hard for the show to sustain you know um, that's only because you're not as dark and twisted as me (laughs) well i mean i think there are shows that'll sustain that type of storyline but this isn't it yeah you know that's not where felicity the show was going i i feel like they could have done better than as as i said and you said the quickest beatdown on quickest the beatdown street ever. ever. Yeah. Um, but I at least know. gave room for okay, it was three guys. So uh, twenty no. seconds times three. No, it was it wasn't even twenty even seconds. Twenty seconds. It was like, it was like 10 four seconds. seconds. Four seconds. Okay. <laughs> it was it was short, but you multiply that by three. Twelve seconds. All right. Now we're talking. No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, so I, it gets dinged a little bit for that. It gets dinged a little bit for the, like, I'm still not entirely convinced by the calling his mom, but I'm more convinced after we talked about it mm-hmm. um, and him seeing all those people who cared about him. And, and I'm also just, I don't know. I have some issue with this whole internship in Berlin just showed up out of nowhere. And it was going to be such a big plot point. Like, Give us some warning, like build to it or something. Well, this is our warning. There's only what, like two episodes left or something? I mean, I don't know. It seemed pretty random to be like a giant cliffhanger. So it got dinged a little bit for that. But mostly I really like this one. Okay. Yeah. There you have it. And we got got rid of uh, Rebecca. So, hey. Thank goodness. Right? We might have her shoes. I don't know, but we do. I, uh, I think it's Richard's. I like the idea of them being Richard's shoes. So you think I'm that just, Richard has just been walking around in boxers and Uggs? I was just going to say that. I feel like <laughs> that is the exact picture I have of him okay. is, is cute boxers and those Uggs. Okay. All right. And, and just Richard in that outfit. And it kind of makes me happy and, and it kind of makes me think of Christmas. Then that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not and I'm not going to tell anyone where I'm picturing the bow is tied. So do you think, so when he said it was so, it's so tiring moving rooms, do you think all he took with him was his boxers and his Uggs? Well, I think the sleeping bag. And the sleeping bag. You're right. Right. Yeah. But bag. yes. <laughs> and may, maybe those Doritos. I don't know. I kind of feel like the Doritos were left over from Todd's box and Noel's just been holding on to them. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, I also love that you had zero reaction to my Christmas um, mention. 
I mean, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I'm not sure where to go with it. <laughs> well, because I said I'm not going to tell you where I'm thinking about his his bow being tied. Ah. And you were just like, I'm not even going to like bother with that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was thinking about the next thing, I guess, already. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. Um, what are you gonna do? Well, the next episode will be the force the force oh no does that have anything to do with star wars might i have, have a seen... moment of that it, that's don't that's not going to stop you in this episode yeah i have not seen star wars and uh, it just i know there's tons of references out there about it and so i get like little things but it's just it's i'm so not interested Mm-hmm. Don't don't let that stop you. Nothing, nothing in the show Felicity is gonna go all the way there for you. <laughs> like I promise. Well, like, Even though I know person. it's dangerous because JJ Abrams was a showrunner on this show. You don't have to worry about uh having to know anything. <laughs> yes. yes. I feel like the people who are gonna be featured, the person who's gonna be featured is Noel. I feel like he knows a lot about star wars mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well um i'm pretty sh- i'm pretty sure that's it's one of these two episodes where star wars gets name checked but i that's not the whole point of this next episode the force also has another meaning so oh. so we, but we will find acceleration out. what i said is it mass times acceleration that's um, for all you no nope. physics students out there no uh not really that either so you know i'll let you keep wondering but those are your predictions and yes. we'll see what happens with this was there anything else you wanted to say i mean is there anything we possibly could not I, have covered in this runtime i don't think it's possible it's like there's no human way we talked about everything in the show things not in the show things tangentially in our lives we've reminisced <laughs> we've done the work folks And like I said, we'd love to hear from you for those who it made you think about something in your own life. But next time we'll deal with the force. And until next time, fish, don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone. I'm a fish. Bye. Bye.